Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, it's Molly McAleer, and you are listening to Season 4 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. Okay, all right, so today we are doing Happy Face Killer with Adam McCabe. He's back. Just Asked My Children was his first episode a harrowing tale, also a true story. And there's a little bit of wrongful imprisonment in this movie as well. Um, it's more voluntary, though. But that was a great movie. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. Today, we're doing Happy Face Killer, which, ironically, we were in Japan at the same time. And, like, all I kept thinking when thinking about the title of this movie is, like, I feel like that would be on a T-shirt in Japan. Yeah. Like... This, I think I might have bought a sweatshirt that it's says It's a that. happy face killer number one time. Oh, totally, totally. Um, that was the best part of Japan. I mean, Japan's so great. It is. It truly is. Truly, truly A greatest. magical place where just w- go for a walk and you'll find something to delight you. So I pulled up some trivia on this movie that is actually um, included with the Amazon Prime extension for Lifetime movies. I'm going to read uh, some as we go through. Please. But I mean, let's just get this bitch started. It's It's... Probably one of the scariest I've watched since Drew Peterson. I tweeted that today where I actually like lost faith in humanity several times because you just never know who's going to kill you. Yeah. And this is a true story. Um, so right away, this is like one of the best fonts we've, (laughs) we've ever had on these opening credits. Holy shit. Okay. So he's called the happy face killer because he signed everything with a happy face, which I call a smiley face. Yeah, I've never said happy face. It's smiley face. It's a smiley face. So he should have been the smiley face killer. That's the number one issue with this film. I I think so. I think happy face is, it's like not as hard. Like smiley face, I feel like is a harder title. So anyway, um, we open up with this like handwritten type font. It says inspired by a true story, same font. You, you think at some point they're, they're going to let this font go. But it doesn't. It's like a person's uh, handwriting, basically. And everything is a smiley face at the end of it. Um, which I thought was like a pleasant touch yeah. for a lifetime. <laughs> it's, um, it's a cute little sign-off. Yeah, it is. And I it, want that from my killers. But it also, like at a certain point, um, it starts to seem like they're making fun of people. You know what I mean? When they <laughs> Oh, yeah. I felt like every victim in this movie was made fun of. Yeah. It's, oh, totally. And uh, totally. And there's a... We'll get... When we get to the caption at the end... Oh, honey, there's a great <laughs> laugh in there. So um, basically, some FBI agents are in a house when we open up. Right away, we get a nice female FBI agent. Lifetime television for women. Um, they spot like a bloody rag in the sink. It's very clear that this is like a high stakes situation. They're looking for someone in the house. Um, so they go to the first, like to the basement and they, there's blood all over the door, like by the handle. 
His hands were covered with blood, like through, when he did this murder. Yeah, it was like he put his hands in a blood bath and pulled them out. And also, there shouldn't be any blood because he's he's a strangler. Yeah, but there's a lot. Everyone has blood everywhere, so <laughs> it's like he jumped in a pool and jumped out. Yeah, but he just choked someone to death. Totally. Um, which makes me wonder, like, did he draw blood intentionally after death? There's a lot of questions, but we go through more doors with blood everywhere and we find a young woman. She is basically in just her underwear. Her limbs are tied. And then, um, above her is a small happy face in blood. So we meet David Arquette, our star, our star, our, I mean, our star, our hero in some ways, um, And he's a truck driver. So this is hard because David Arquette is David Arquette. Yeah. You don't ever, even in Scream, which is like obviously his greatest role, like he's almost cast because he's David Arquette. Yeah. Like he's just kind of like a bumbling idiot. And to see him kind of take this turn, I think as an actor for him, that might have been like, finally, people can see me in like a more meaty role. Like, this is a good role for him. Yeah, but it, he it's exactly what he said. He's David Arquette. There's no divorcing that. No, no, you cannot. You absolutely cannot stop thinking that the entire time. And we, like, before this movie, I was like, David Arquette's a bad actor, right? Because I was telling you, I'm so um invested in this and like a little bit deluded about what real content is like yeah. even though i try to go to the movies and i do stuff like that to balance it out that, i'm not really sure what good or bad acting is that was gonna be my question for you this far in your show having seen this many of these yeah when i turned this on immediately like my hair blew back and i was like holy shit almost every aspect <laughs> of this is poorly done yeah yeah. Are you so numb to these now that you're like, you don't notice that as much? Okay. So like when Jackie's movie that we did, this is Jackie's husband, by the way, Jackie Johnson. Um, when we did her movie, we did a rom-com and like, that was like fresh eyes for me. Cause yeah. I was, it wasn't a true crime. There wasn't, you know, that sort of really scary element. It was like a romp, you know, it was like, I'm you wed. Like she wants to marry herself and then she meets a guy. Um, so that was just like really overtly bad for me, but. What does me in is the amount of times I usually watch it. Okay. So, like, after my, like, second viewing, it's a part of me. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like that moment, like, when Garth talks about changing your underwear in Dwayne's world where he's like, and then eventually it becomes a part of you. Like, that's how I, like, this becomes, these are my friends. Like, I'm so familiar with them. I know their tics. I know their mannerisms. I start to, like, be endeared to them. So I do sometimes get, like, a little bit too enmeshed. But um, I I mean, I do know. I, this is why I need a person with me. Yeah. I couldn't. If I just did this show alone, it would be the most <laughs> mentally ill thing that ever, that, that could possibly exist in terms of well, content. Well, already, I hope your listeners appreciate you for... Having them watch this more than once. Oh, they do. It's like, I can't imagine sitting through this again. They're, my listeners actually really, they are really good about that. And what kills me is how many people, like the, today this one woman wrote to me, we had an episode come out, which is the end of season three. We're in season four right now. And um, she said to me that she listened to, she went on a walk intentionally to listen to the entire three and a half hour podcast and that she couldn't wait for her commute to work tomorrow because she couldn't wanted to listen to it again. And I was like, 
bitch, you're giving me seven hours of your week. Like that is so nice. So they're, they're all really like good people that enjoy the content. So thank God for them. Um, but he's David Arquette. He's a truck driver. Um, always an interesting profession. Yep. And when he's, when he's driving, he pulls down the visor and there's like a picture of his kids and then a picture of his wife. And the way that he looks at them is like, as if they're strangers or something. Like, he just opened an envelope and, like, that's his child he adopted in Ethiopia. Like, he's so overjoyed. And I'm like, I've never seen someone look at the faces that they look at every day, basically, and yeah. be so happy. So that's yeah, what I knew. It, it was such an odd read. Like, his face changed emotions 10 different times for me. Because it also was, like, looking at them and being like, you fucking scamps. Yeah. Where it was like, I don't look, I can't imagine looking at my kids and being like, you fucking wild ones. Yeah. It's like, they're, they're, you know who they are. Yeah, exactly. Although I do feel that way about Wags. Like, I'll yell at him one minute, but I'll just look at him and be like, fuck, you're so fucking cute. Like, you're so cute. Um, we do that with you. So I guess I do get it then. I'm lying. That was um, perfect direction. You know, I don't know. So <laughs> There's also um, another picture. And by the way, nothing I say undoes what you say. So there's that. <laughs> um, no one's right here. So um, I feel like this the way that he was looking at these pictures, it was worse than a cell phone to me. Like, I was like, put your fucking visor up. Like, yeah. he's driving a, a huge truck. <laughs> um, I don't want to disparage truck drivers on this. Who, that could be your fan base, and I'm going to get fucking murdered by the happy face killer. I know. But... Uh, the other, there's another picture on his, his visor, yeah. the Mountie. Yeah, that's right. So you see that right away too. That's right. I, I didn't even digest that. I don't, I don't think I heard it until we meet our friend in the gas station. Yeah. who's My queen. So, <laughs> um, we're going to kick off this, like, which is like the initial dialogue of getting to learn about our character, see that he has friends, people that love him, a sense of humor. Um, let's do 219 to 329. And this had to have, before it starts, this had to have been these people own this business. Yeah. And they're like, we'll let you shoot here if we could do the scene. Oh, you're so right. It has to be. This is like, oh my God, what sh- Breaking Bad did that a lot, right? Yeah. Where they'd just be like, oh, hey, like you work in this hair <laughs> yeah, salon. I'm going to make you in. a fucking TV star. There you go. Okay, great. You got three lines. You're so right. Okay, let's play this. Keith Jefferson, my favorite driver. How you doing? Good. So what's in the bag? Uh, just some presents for Cora and the kids from the road. I'm, I miss them when I'm gone. Oh, that's sweet. You spoil them like that. Yeah, they're only kids for so long. Yeah, well, my 30-year-old's still living in the garage trying to build a better bong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, today's a big day. The Mounties are calling. <gasps> yeah, I am golden. I studied that test for a year. I nailed it. Took the physical, nailed it. And you know what? I look real good on the horse. Oh, well, I bet you do. <laughs> You're not even Canadian, Jesperson. I was born in Canada, Des. It is the most beautiful place in the world. And it's a better life for me, Cora, and the kids. Aw. Dudley do-right to the rescue, huh? That's an animated character and a cliche, Des. The actual Mounties are a world-class organization. Fascinating. Anyway, I got stuff coming in every day this week, so I hope you're around a while. No one ever complains about you. Except that we don't see enough of you. <laughs> Personally speaking, of course. He's a good guy. Yeah. Why you two get a room? They love him. See you later. Bye. He's got this odd fucking fascination with the Mounties. Right. He's a happy family man. Everything's right. great in his life. 
Is that is it Canadian a Mountie? Like yeah. you have to move to Canada. Canadian Mounted Police. Okay, okay. He one hundred percent would have to live there. Okay. So this movie takes place in like Washington, Oregon, like that area of the country. So I guess Canada is in a wild move. Um, are the are these like are these a couple these people that own this shop? They don't make it clear because he's like get a room, but I think that's just an employee, and that's the old dude who owns it. Yeah, because I'm like, is he so charming that like your wife's allowed to like overtly flirt with him? <laughs> yeah. But then like later on in the movie, she comes up to him like she's a secretary, and I I didn't understand that because also like dude that is shameless like we do get to the place of like workplace sexual abuse later on yeah. but like your if your job is to work there man you can't have a 20 minute flirtation break <laughs> like with some customer so um i thought it was weird they were definitely like rewarding him for being a dad yeah they hit all like they hit a lot of the like tropes and issues that are wrong with women this is only in 2014 with the treatment of women i should say i mean god this thing might have could have been made in the 80s and i wouldn't have been able to tell with how they have their female characters and also how they have all of their like devices like they have like such everything in this is like like zach morris's phone sort of like deal. huge well let's think about the female characters in this we've got secretary yeah uh diner server yeah Felicia. Uh, sex worker. Felicia at the, the with the coffee at the police station. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of sex workers. I mean, it's very like well, I wonder if it's a virgin whore issue or what's really going on here. I will say that in real life this place uh took place in 1990, I think. So okay. um it was back in the day, but again, they're trying not to be too direct with the parallels. This movie hits on everything though, like domestic abuse. Tons yep. of stuff. It's all there. So the Dudley Do-Right reference, didn't they like call, didn't they have a Dudley Do-Right joke about him and Scream? Oh, maybe. And it sat with me so weird because they called him that twice. And I just was like, is this a callback or is he just like unable to escape this joke? He can't um, get away from it. So after this, he meets up with his brother and the brother is like talking with him. He's like, he says that his marriage is like tense, a little bit rough right now, but he's got Cora best wife ever. So we know Cora's a big prize here. He loves his family. Um, but then at one point he says, um, his brother says, you know, in relation to things being tense for him, he says, it's not like they grew up like learning about anything about love or marriage. Um, and then there's a beat and he asks him if like, do you want to go see dad this weekend? And we flash back to a very bad memory. Yeah. And you know it's a bad memory because it's almost like sepia toned yes. as well. Like they employ a lot of good techniques like that in this movie. Um, it's, it sucks to like be sensitive as a human being to like this is based off a true story. Yeah, this is negative stuff. But when they shoot it in such a silly way, right? It's so hard to not laugh at the scene. Just like how dumb it is. Yeah. I know. And how like heavy handed it is. So heavy handed. So we're right away. We're supposed to know that like. He kind of grew up in a blue collar environment because his dad's hands like look like he has leather gloves on. They are so rough. And he's playing with some sort of um, electric thing in a car. I don't, what is that? It's like the battery. Yeah. Okay. So he had like jumper cables, but they had been sheared off to be <laughs> just raw exposed wire. Okay. I don't know about like, and I don't have, if my car broke, I'd just like walk away from it and call it a day. <laughs> um, 
So he winds up like shocking him with this wire for no reason. It didn't even seem like he did anything. It was like, that's the cut. So we know this is the environment this kid grows up in. So we're back to present day. And Keith is so shook up by this memory that he spills his Diet Coke all over the table. Which his brother doesn't really, like, his brother doesn't seem aware that this is clearly some sort of PTSD reaction. It's more like Keith is clumsy. Yeah. It's like you both grew up with that same thing. I I think you know what triggers your brother and what doesn't. Right. You would think. But his brother had serial killer vibes. Like the way he played that. His brother's a worse actor than David Arquette, <laughs> if that's even possible. And it's it, that was like palpable for me. Was that yeah. like because he has to really? This is where our scale is going to have a fun time today because his underreactions were remarkable. Um, so he gets home, no one's there. He's calling for everyone, no response. Uh, cracks open a beer. Uh, then the phone rings. So let's do four forty-six to seven minutes. Checks his mail. He's got his monthly issue of Mountie magazine. Yeah, this guy has such a fucking hard on for this gig. So some this is some bad news that's gonna come in. Uh real bad news. Hello? Yes, hello. This is Colonel Lamera from the Canadian Police calling from Toronto. I'm trying to reach Mr. Keith Jesperson. This is Keith speaking. I've been waiting for your call. Good afternoon, Mr. Jesperson. Good afternoon, Colonel. How is it up there? Perfect, I bet. Yes, it's very nice up here. I'm afraid I have some disappointing news, sir. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Well, sir, the RCs have looked over your medical records, including x-rays of your shoulder, and I'm very sorry to inform you we aren't going to be able to move forward with your application. Ah, no, Colonel. There must be a mistake. There's nothing wrong with my shoulder. Someone read the x-ray wrong. Nonetheless, sir, we cannot dismiss it. On behalf of the Mounties, you have my deepest regret, Mr. Jesperson. I don't understand. I'm sorry, Mr. Jesperson. Are you there, sir? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you for the call, sir. setup um first of all i'd like to say that that green table it speaks to me this whole movie and i realized later on 
I almost bought that table for please advise up in my office. Um, but I like the shipping was like, it was ridiculous. So you could add the happy face killer, deliver it. I know that would have been so good. I it mean, would, it would have said your name with a smiley face next to it, but he moves stuff in tonnage, <laughs> which also really like that really, for some reason <laughs> it sat with me. Cause like, they're like, Oh, we need you to go pick up like seven tons of steel. And I'm like, how much does a truck hold? Like that is a lot of weight. Um, Wags is digging for bones, by the way, on Aww, the couch. So good boy, you'll find them. Yeah. The crazy thing is, so now up to this point, just look at the movie from here to here. Yeah. He's been painted as a great family man. Great. Everyone Lovable. loves him. They love his service. They think he's polite. He's good at his job. Yeah. His brother's envious of his family situation. Yep, so good. He was abused as a child, yeah. which makes you sympathetic to him. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, this poor guy. And then you find out his dream and his family left. You're like, God, our poor hero. Right, right, right. This poor man. But you don't, though, because you know from the start that there's something up with this guy. And I think it's like... The visible, I think what the writer must have been trying to get across is that like Keith can't, he's so arrogant that he can't process bad information in any way. Because this is where he also, I mean, yes, granted his life did just fall apart in like a full five minutes. But I mean, he was a per, like he had never, he had never done anything wrong up until this point. Like the wife just left because he wasn't around much. Like, yeah, this is a guy that is just, he's a strange bird. And the, and this small, I mean, in terms of life, like no one died, you know what I mean? Just because his wife left that minute doesn't mean the whole like world is over. Yeah. But what this winds up, these the series of events winds up doing is unleashing a madman onto society. Yeah, and the, the point I poorly was trying to make was this writer director have chosen to depict him for the first nine minutes yeah. as a sympathetic character right. to try to justify the change, yeah. which it does not. Right. His zero to a hundred that he takes is wild. That must be that must be a David Arquette thing as well as direction, because he is fishy. Like he's fishy <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. Like Maybe this lady who deals with him once a week at the work site doesn't like think, you know, but he's weird, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it goes back and I'm sorry. I've only seen it once. It goes back and shows him in the past. Yeah. Well, like as a kid, we see that. As a kid. Yeah. We open up on like, well, we're going to find out later what that is. Like that's clearly two weeks from now or whatever. Yes. Also, I will say that this movie has no concept of time. And like the first time they mention a time span, I was shocked by how long it had been. So now um, we see the FBI agent from the first scene at a shooting range. Yes. Because you got to show she's a boss. How do we establish this? And right away, her coworker, who's a like just like a sleazy bro walks up hits on her and she's like i thought you were getting married or like did she find out who you are so she, we know right away this is our girl she yeah. comes in with zingers she stands up to this guy she shoots great um so he tells her you know like basically like you have no sense of humor you need to get fucked basically yeah um and she says <laughs> back to him um I'm sorry, I must have been mistaken because I thought you were born this century. So she's like a forward thinker. Again, yeah. this is that is some like post Me Too awareness that she has because she calls them unprofessional, says that it's sexual harassment. Like yeah. I think for 2014, like harnessing this, like you know, being very self possessed was 
No, that didn't get that wasn't written often. Yeah. In a likable character. For her to like be like immediately, I'm gonna go tell uh, the the right people. Yeah. I need to tell about this because you're fucking up. Yeah. Versus like, just like, what are you doing? She's very present in the moment. Mm-hmm. So um he tells this friend of this friend of his, Diane, who I guess he had struck up a like a casual friendship with a local diner waitress. Um, which I've got questions about that. Like, I wouldn't love if I was his ex-wife, Cora, or soon-to-be ex-wife, Cora, that my husband just, like, became friends with a local diner waitress and goes to her for emotional comfort. Well, that was me. God, this fucking movie. But that, to me, was like, oh, she left him. It comes out as the movie goes because of this womanizing. So did they have an affair that she knew about? Was there, like, talk of... Yeah, so later on we find out that she, the wife does know about affairs that he'd had, but that was never really a deal breaker for her, it sounds like. <laughs> Just um, that he was gone a lot. Yeah, she's like, I knew about the affairs, which that is like, that's got to kill a person. Like to, that's going to wear you down more than anything. When you're in a place where you're just like looking the other way, like that, that's got to, Cora, who was that a breaking point? <laughs> Um, and he's like basically, you know, saying that he screwed up, he alienated Cora. He's also, he's really owning that, like, she left, which I feel is like a manipulative sympathy thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, she's like, everyone messes up. You should see my list. And she does this hand motion of like a very long list. And I'm like, girl, like, what have you ever done in your life, Diane? Diane seems like a sweetie, like, not even <laughs> yeah. a detention in high school. Well, her list is probably like ran a yellow light. Yeah, didn't give to the collection plate at church. Yeah, like, said I said I weighed one ten instead of one twelve. <laughs> exactly, um, which is like I feel like that I feel like that about like I I feel terrible about everything I do, and my nightmare is like realizing that like not only am I not the worst person I know, but that I probably know someone who's killed someone. Oh, for sure, we all do. Um, don't you think we all do? I think we do. I think every single one of us at some point in our life, whether we know it or not, has met someone who's killed a person. Either knowingly or accidentally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I think one of the two. You fall in one of those categories. I have a six, I know I have a six degree of separation of like a guy who was a drunk driver killed someone. It was like the worst thing that ever happened to him, obviously. Um, but I'm sure I know someone in real life. I think a lot about murder, man. Like, people just be out here murdering. Like, too many people are... There's well, it doesn't help you watch people. these goddamn movies every like, seven times in a row. Well, this doesn't happen. This does not happen every week. But I will say this and Drew Peterson really broke me. The, yeah. like, Drew Peterson, I was sobbing, though. Like, because he murdered five wives and they never figured it out. So... Oh, police incompetence in this, too. Like, it's all there. Yeah, um, that was the scariest part of Helter Skelter to me, if you've read that. Yeah, I've read it. It's just it. like gross police incompetence constantly. Yeah, totally. And when the police, like, there's a great, like, little speech that comes up where they basically are like, local police ain't shit. Yeah. It's great. Um, So Keith is doing probably one of the, the other darker things he does in this movie. And he's at home, like, drinking, watching home movies. Simple times with the kids. Pounding Keystone Light. Watching, totally. watching uh, home movies. So he gets restless. He starts doing the head rub and he uh, picks up his phone. So let's play 9-11 to uh, 10-29. I don't make the time codes, man. They tell the stories. 9-11 to 6 9, six, nine. <laughs> 
reached Cora Jesperson. called to say I'm sorry. You know, I know I screwed up, but I want you to know that I love you and the kids. I never thought I was a bad father or nothing, but I do understand that I have to be a better husband. So if it's all right, I'd like to come see at your folks. If that's all right, let me know. All right, bye. How many times has he watched that VHS tape that it's that grainy? I know. Right? What's going on with that VHS tape? Well, this is like some home movie people really freak me out. Like I had an ex that just wanted to rewatch home movies. Like you'd get really drunk no. and be like, let's, it would be like 3 a.m. And he'd be like, we're going to watch my family camping in like when I was five. And I'd oh be like, God. dude, I don't like, I don't want to. And then like, if I fell asleep, you'd be like, hey, wake up. We're watching my family. I'm so I mean, that's happy face killer level insanity. I mean, that's real. That's like pretty up there, right? Like that to me is like I'm watching a dad at Disneyland film the Main Street Electrical Parade, right? And I go, "What are you? Are you going to watch that? Yeah, you're going to watch 12 minutes of unedited parade footage. Yeah. You know who's going to be watching that is his kids trying to figure out what the fuck went wrong many, many years <laughs> yeah, ago. Piece it all together. So um, he when their dad his- kills people, right, right, right. So he crushes his beer can on the wall, um, and then he goes to the window. I'm trying to. Re- I was like, feel. I couldn't remember it today. Yeah. That called condensation on the window. When yeah. He, so he draws it. Thank you. Thanks for leading me there. So he draws a smiley face on the window, and right away I was thinking like, well, like that's how he's gonna get caught. Is because like for you can't <laughs> wash one of those off. <laughs> yeah. Like they come back any time it starts to steam up. <laughs> So this, I did when he did that, I gasped out loud his origin story. Yeah. But it's like, that's all it was, was he drew that face. He's like, I got it. Um, so I will tell you, we are, this is a clip heavy front half. And then we don't really play much for a while, but um, there's a lot to establish here. So what's, yes. what's great for music in this is like, there's, there's a lot of great music in this. Oh but yeah. This is sort of like a kind of seventies rock inspired thing that kicks in. You know, this is a man about to go drink. He's going to drink some brews tonight, dude. Fuck yeah. Um, so he's at a bar and this seems to be his regular spot because he has quite the rapport with the uh, bartender. We're going to play 1120 to 1429 and we're also going to meet Sissy who is everything. Yes. This bartender's an odd duck too. He walked out just like that. Just like that. You gotta get back on that horse, pal. Yes, you are. What's your name? Sissy. Peyton. Sissy. I love that name. Ah, oh, nice one. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you from? 
I don't live too far. What's your name? Keith, which means of the forest. Of the forest. Like bears? <laughs> yeah, like bears. <laughs> I love bears. Perfect. <laughs> 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 Take it easy, Papa Bear. You want it off? Yeah. What if I don't? Don't be like that. Forest Bear doesn't like that. Why are you calling me that? Forest Bear is sad. I just had a really bad day. scary to me the way that he looked at the end in terms of just like that felt like it came from a real place yeah um and like almost like a drunk rage place so we hear sissy scream inside and she's after it says her name her full name with a happy face next thank you for pointing that out so this is like this is the i didn't have my glasses on so i didn't see it and i wasn't following my notes um, but yeah, this is, this is how we're going to find out how every victim goes. And I actually kind of liked that they did this. Yeah. Um, but again, it starts to feel sarcastic, um, after a while. Cause it's so silly. The font is insane. Yes. It's, it's like comic sans with clip art. Yes. Shoved next to it. And that's a person who lost their life. Yeah. In a very brutal, like, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a scary end. A brutal, toxic dude. Yeah. Doing something very aggressive to somebody. Yeah. You don't need the cartoon font paired with that. Right. Um, although I do appreciate generally that we're meeting our character that way, but it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, you're right. I mean, this is where I, I start to get delusional and think that's a good thing. Um, but like, Again, we, it's, it's so important how quickly that escalated for him. And this is going to everything after this. The main thing with Keith is that 
he can escalate any situation, even the smallest little thing. And he, he carries revenge. Like that is a big thing for him. Yeah. Um, so he's just sitting there when we come back from this, looking at her dead body on the bed. He stripped her down to like her underwear, which seems to be his MO. Yeah. Um, they didn't like the, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say too much. It's crazy with these, like the true story versus the movie. Yes. Cause I'm new to this world. Yeah. So like when I read his Wikipedia page, like it quickly stops being funny and it's like, Oh no. Oh yeah. No, this is yeah. For legit. So the, the sissy, like I started watching the dateline before you got here, um, just to kind of get a sense of what it was really more like. Um, and the person that was, none of the characters names are real, but the person who was like actually sissy was, a very like um she was just like a very extroverted person she would go to bars a lot alone because she would flourish in that environment of just like walking up to people and being like hey what's up just making new friends and yeah. yeah okay and so like i don't think she was as um potentially like troubled as this movie kind of portrays her to be in a way um because we'll see some surprising shit when her mom has to id her body yes um but like this like she's just like was a fun loving girl who went to the bar who was like playing pool with a bunch of guys she didn't know and she wound up going home with one of them which was i think her kind of regular move according to the dateline thing so he goes into the bathroom and washes his hands and he wraps her up in a sheet, washes the blood out of the carpet with a small little scrub brush. And um, that scrub brush fascinated me. For some reason, I was like, every time I saw it, I was like, it's so tiny. Like, where would you even get that? Um, and then he looks up and sees his family picture on the dresser. Um, so he really like burned his life down in about six hours. Yeah. Um, in seconds. He, and he does the great movie trope of putting the picture face down so he doesn't have to deal with the consequences of it. Yeah, so that his kids, even on paper, can't see what he did. So he drives her out to the woods and he opens up the sheet and he looks at her dead body. He cuts a piece of denim off of her jeans, cuts out the zipper, and um, he got, like, you just see his hand doing something. You're not really clear what he's doing. Pushes her down to a little ditch and it's wild the way her body falls down that ditch it like rolls over seven times they the this is such an unfortunate thing to say but again the idea of how shitty they do it makes it funny yeah when he dumps the bodies he does it in such a cartoonish fashion it it's funny it's like at one point when he kicks the person yeah and they roll like twice and then stop it's like he didn't even need to kick her because it was such a shallow grave well this is like a drastic difference than a lot of the movies that i love because um like a Joe, like Jody Arias, like you actually sympathize. When it's a female killer, they make you really sympathize with them. But when it's a guy, they kind of treat the whole thing a lot more jokey. It's always a lot more jokey. They give him death lines. Yeah. Like he has like a, a joke he makes to them after he, so he before says, he pushes them. Giddy up. Giddy after up. After it pushes yes. her down the hill. Giddy so up. I, d- I did, this is a wild twist, but we're about to watch. Um, I did not expect this, which is that he kind of keeps a, a vlog. Like, he yeah. sits at home and makes his new home movies. It's sponsored by Casper Mattresses. Exactly, where he sort of just, like, vents, man. He just gets it out there. And this is definitely the sort of behavior that you would see in, like, a Charles Manson-type person. Except yeah. Charles Manson, 
like sent people out to do his bidding. But like, it's very God complex. It's a lot of like you simpletons wouldn't understand. So this is um 1648 to 1747. Just sitting in his living room. Greetings. How are you today? Hope I'm in focus. <laughs> that would be a first. Okay, so let's get started. Why am I videotaping myself? Simple. I'm protecting my reputation. I want a permanent record of me, and I don't want some cheesy reporter getting it all wrong. To begin with, I've been misunderstood my whole life. And I live with that pain. I try not to let it get me down. But let me tell you, every now and then, I get urges, and I finally acted on them. And it was... What's the word I'm looking for? Exciting. Okay, so... Like, here's the deal. He just really summed up a big thing, like, for me, which is that you probably deal with people who have these urges. Like, this could be any guy on Reddit. But, like, he just... He crossed the line, baby. He acted on it. Now he has a thirst for blood. Like, there's people who actively fight these urges every single day uh that and you saying that paired with him right there reminded me of one time there was this dude i worked with i let him live with me for a minute okay because he was going through some hard stuff when i lived with my parents i convinced my parents to let this dude i work with live with us yeah so he lived with us we took care of him. we're kind of like a halfway house for people who needed help sure me so too actually yeah. yeah yeah so this dude uh who lived with me who worked with me had a drinking problem okay and one point he got real drunk and he's in my parents' backyard. My parents are inside. He, we're in the backyard and I'm kind of talking him down and he's sitting there and he's like rubbing his fist and he goes, this world is a, is a horrible place. And I go, I know it can be bad. I know there are bad people, but also there's good too. Kind of having one of those talks. Yeah. And he goes, has anyone wronged you? And I looked at him and he looked at me and it like held for a long moment. And he goes, you give me a name and I'll swing the axe. Shut up. And it's the scariest thing anyone's ever said to me because of how sober Look, Agent he got Gan, these jurisdiction yeah. cases. Whereas like, this is you waiting for a gentle push. So it's similar with this where it's like, that. okay, you're using this as an excuse to do what you want to do. Yeah. So was he in the wedding? Uh, yeah, he was my best man. And then he went on to become the happy face killer. <laughs> what happened? How did you get him out of your house? Uh, like, it was one happened? of those things of like him, me talking to him and like, yeah, you know, start finding. And he had pride. Yeah. Like, so he's like, I got to get out of here. And he just like made the decision and moved out. Like wow. he found a place. He got his shit together. And moved yeah. Because he's a really smart guy, but he just had such like, uh, why is this happening to me? Anger issues just like this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like these dudes all think it's happening to them. Yes. Any dude who has this mentality is like, why me? Why me? Versus seeing how everyone relates. Right. Totally. You're so, you're so right. You're so, so right. Damn. That's fucking, that's fucking deep, man. So, um, the police get to the scene where the body's been discovered. And the second you see her, you can't help but notice this big smiley face on her stomach. You can't help but notice. Um, it's right next to her star tattoo. Like, you see it right away. And so, um, which actually kind of impressed me, I will be honest. 
Um, oh, I want to also point out a shot that I thought was interesting, which was during the vlogging scene. Okay. We were mostly watching a lot of the vlogs. So he had like the camera somehow hooked up to the TV. So he was watching himself in real time. But then there was also like a floor length mirror next to the television. So you could see him filming the vlog too. And I was like, man, like whoever's directing, they are trying so hard. They're working overtime. Like the DP on this, like someone, this is a big break for them or like they feel like they can fuck around because like it's a new opportunity. But they do a lot of like very interesting shit like that in this where I'm like, that was that was almost there, man. And I yeah. appreciate your ingenuity. So, um, <laughs> well, it's counterbalanced by weird cuts, like when he's on the phone and for no reason we cut to behind his head. Yeah. And then it cuts back to the front. Oh, yeah. Like, lot, what was that for? Lot, like lots of that. Um, so we're at the FBI now. We go yes. to like the big building. Melinda's boss is praising all of her hard work. He's like, but I need you to do it again. Like that was, that was, I loved it. Cause like, he couldn't call, like, Melinda takes a lot of L's in this that are really fucking unfortunate. Like, people only help her out after she's extended herself to a point that's, like, beyond any sort of normal limits. Yeah, yeah. they make it as hard for her as humanly possible. Exactly. I, lo- I love Melinda. She's my queen. So he has a file, and he says that a female body was found in a gorge, uh, which that word surprised me in Washington near the Oregon border. Um, she opens the folder and she sees the happy face. And he says that the body was killed and dumped in different state, which means that it's an FBI matter, not something for local police. That really interested me. I wrote like, this is, I didn't realize that that's how the FBI gets involved. Yeah. Yeah. If it crosses state lines, because then it's more than one state. So I, in, in New England, we have a thing where the states group together. So like if it's, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, or like what, and whatever one is next, but maybe Rhode Island. Um, it's considered like the police can cross the state lines. They can help each other out. So it's probably, I mean, it's probably because every state over there is like the size of a quarter compared yeah. to something like California. But I, and I probably learned that in fifth grade and forgot it, but it was interesting. So he's like dogging on the local police and he's like, they're understaffed and they're overconfident, which I was like, Ooh, that's like a hard, that is a hard diss. Like, and if you really think about that, that yeah. is like... It says so much. It says everything. Yeah. Like, it's like they sound like a high school football team that loses every game, but they still run the school. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, we play chess, they play checkers. Um, Remember that. Play nice with them, but we need you to solve this. Um, basically saying they're very dumb, local, common people. So she looks over the file in her office, and then we go to Keith. Um, he's at home with the diner waitress now, mm-hmm. and she's holding a box while he takes stuff out of the closet. And she's like, are you really, like, ready to move on so quickly? He's getting rid of his wife's shit. <laughs> like, he, this is like what Scott Peterson did in a way. It's like, Cora didn't die. Like, you don't get to throw away all of her shirts because yeah. she left you. I can understand the impulse, but you don't, like... That's like thousands of dollars worth of shit. Like, what happened to all the kids' stuff? We never see their rooms. So, um, basically, he says, like, Cora's not going to change her mind. I can't keep living with all of her stuff around. And then she picks up a fluffy stuffed dog, and she goes, please tell me this isn't yours. He's like, it is, but, you know, the, the kids loved it. I didn't have the heart to let it go. This is so off character with everything and such an aside. Like, I really thought the dog was going to come back a lot more than it did. Yeah. But it's like the, and I'm like, is it supposed to be sympathy for him or, and also if it's for the kids, why is it in your bedroom? I, they keep trying to make him sympathetic, but the moment he 
ass- brutally assaults that woman, right. th- it's out the window. We're not laughing with him anymore. It's done. It makes me think that like there there was a dropped or they had to cut something. Yeah. And it's the same way I felt with the dad. Yeah. Where you you have so many nods to that, but it was cut out. Like this is a tight hour and 26 minutes. I bet this was a two hour script. Yeah. And they cut it down. Yeah, they do. And, but they do this other weird thing I've noticed with Lifetime where sometimes they'll hold for like two or three seconds too long because they have to fit 127 minutes. Yeah. For the commercials. I put on my notes, awkward pauses, question mark. Yeah. They have so many long takes. Yeah. Where it should have been cut three, three, five seconds earlier and then to the, so what happened with this? Yeah. It's always the lingering shot. And you can also tell that this movie, a lot of them you can't tell that it was made for Lifetime. Time, but you can tell this one was because they also include commercial breaks. So sometimes I'll like clue that in because the the when they come back, honey, they come back. Like it's really shocking sometimes. <laughs> so um Cora spots a little like silver thing on the floor and she picks it up and it's a bracelet that belonged to Sissy, who wore a lot of jewelry, man. She was like decked out. Um, I noticed that when they found her corpse. So he flashes back to murdering her. Um, and he says it's Cora's. He takes it. I thought this bracelet was going to come back as well. Doesn't. Um, and while he is in the bathroom looking at himself in the mirror a second later, he spots a stamp on his hand from the bar the night before and scrubs it off. Which, With his tiny brush? Yeah. And I would have loved to have more establishment regarding the stamp. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that for me was like just showcasing how fucking dumb he is about evidence. Right. That he leaves footprints everywhere, his tire tracks. Yeah. Like he's just a moron. But also so were the fucking police. Yes. Like literally <laughs> they, it took it, they're, they get four murders in before someone examines the tire tracks. Yeah. He's so confident, like driving that truck up. I would be thinking about all of it. Like my cousin Vinny, like the entire fucking thing is based on tire tracks. Like it's just the most, everyone knows, gotta check tire tracks. Check tire tracks. Feet. Um, These killings are all spread out. Hmm. Who travels a lot? Yeah. Who crosses state lines constantly? Right. I guess there's no way to know. You, it takes so long for them to figure this out. So, um, he pulls it and there's a good reason for that, but it's, it's Melinda works overtime. So she's doing the best she can. He pulls his truck up to a gas station. Um, this is supposed to be the next day and he spots these sex workers in the parking lot and they smile at him like he's cute. And then we see this, um, we see him put on some glasses, which are, murderer glasses like they really are like it's it's like the classic joke like pedophile glasses it's hard for me to believe that this man would go to the like the glasses store and pick those out for him like it's it doesn't seem right but it's also where those uh david koresh glasses yes it's like the second someone puts those on you know who they are right they're either a hipster or they are like the biggest creep in the world and um that that's where also there's a lot of blending in this movie where it's like it took place in 1990 when someone probably wore frames like that because they were cheap, but it's 2014. So there's a lot of things that look modern, but they, sometimes they split time on this in a weird way. We dealt yeah. with that last week too. It's based off what props they could get. Exactly. Um, he's looking this girl up and down in the parking lot and you see a tight shot. They did, this was like an interesting shot too. Tight shot on like bright green heels and fishnets and she's very slender. She's very pretty. I would say it looks like she's still like in her first two weeks on the job because yeah. I wouldn't say she's like fresh faced, but she doesn't look like this is her like routine. She's a very pretty woman. Yeah. Um, so 
Uh, she walks up to him. She's like, hey, sweetheart, where are you headed? Which I was like, that's a great pickup line. If I'm ever in that position in life, that's what I'm going to use. <laughs> where are you headed? So they do a commercial break. Uh, we come back and we see him pulling. This is like disgusting. I've never seen a body moved like this in a movie. He's pulling these fishnet tights with the heels. Oh, the heels aren't on. By a belt through the, like he's moving her body by dragging her feet with a belt. Like it's, it's, it was shocking to me because you, I've never seen that happen ever in a movie. I've never seen yeah, it. I don't know. I've ever seen a belt drag. No. So then, um, he pushes her right down into a ditch and then he looks back for a beat and turns around and gets right in his car. Now we're at the, um, sheriff's office. Melinda is paying them a visit. This is 2214 to 2441. Sorry for all the small clips up front, guys, but you don't want to miss this. Look, Agent Gann, these jurisdiction cases are usually just too many folks at the same party. It's an interstate matter. The law's the law. Yeah, I've heard that. Felicia, can get some coffee? Yeah, with all due respect, Agent Gand, I actually have done this before, so you being here may be overkill. The government prefers to be thorough. Well, good for them. How do you take your coffee, Special Agent Gand? Well, that's okay, honey. We can take it from here. I think we can figure out coffee. We've got an FBI agent on the premises. How long have you been an FBI agent? Eleven years. All oh, right. Well, I've been sheriff in this county 17. Every time there's a murder, six in the last nine years, I've caught him and got convictions. That's very impressive. Look, if uh, Uncle Sam wants to waste taxpayer money bringing in the FBI, I can't stop him. But this isn't Mayberry, and I'm not Andy. I'd like to see the body. blood? Yeah. You can also confirm time of death was 48 to 56 hours ago, Agent Gann. We still have an ID her. FBI will run a thorough DNA match. And look at this. From a place called O'Finn's Tavern in Portland. Whoever did this had strong hands. The wounds all indicate that. Strangulation marks are pretty severe. Before graves. Murderer savors the struggle. It's highly personal, no weapons used, it's intimate. I'll need you to check for latent prints in the blood on this marking here. You got it. Happy face. It's a taunt. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else, that he can't get caught. Any leads, Sheriff? So far we got three clues. One, the bloody happy face. Two, the... Uh... Stamp on the back of the victim's hand from O'Finn's Tavern, which tells us she was in Oregon when she was murdered, and uh, three, the uh, zipper from her jeans was cut out. Probably a souvenir for the killer. I've seen that before. May also be a deliberately false detail to distract us. We've been still. We find who has that part of her jeans. Might be our killer. We have to contact the police in Portland, see so who's been reported missing. I'll have my team investigate the dump site here in Washington. So let's, okay, so this body has been sitting there for two days, basically, is what they're saying. Um, I feel like the stamp, there would never be a bar stamp that says the name of the bar. That never has happened in my life. But I love that the Emmy has already Googled it. 
they've she did all of the work like they have all of this stuff like the jeans that's that's some good intel right there figure out the brand there's probably a button or something that would signify that um we've got like i'm just shocked at how little has been done for especially for how arrogant this cop was the entire time because she showed her the stamp and she goes to oh finnegan's or whatever right the sheriff didn't go yeah they didn't like pull that bartender in immediately there's there's like there's no fingerprints that have been done there's no dental records like none of the things that one would do if they're in a rush to find this i'm like are they just trying to like keep this body on ice and like hope something comes up like that's what it seemed like the urgency um so we're at keith's house again this is one of my favorite details of the movie because it just blows my it blows my mind i was looking for like any possible reason this could be the case but she's cutting into a steaming hot chocolate cake it's just a chocolate cake that she baked but everyone knows there's no reason why that would be steaming. You don't put a made cake into the microwave. You can't frost a cake the way that she did if it's hot like that. There'd be sprinkles. So I was like, maybe there's a cigarette behind this because maybe that would explain the smoke. Maybe they're smoking the scene. Nope, no cigs. I have no idea why that cake was steaming. It almost looked like an after effect as well. <laughs> That's why this movie scared you. Yeah. It's like these crazy things like a mouse's toothbrush for the floor, <laughs> a smoking cake. Yeah. It's like, it's like aliens made a movie to be like, this is what humans do. And you're like, no. I mean, you got it mostly right. There were seven wild inaccuracies. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. Well, it'd be like if the aliens made a movie about us. That's what it would be like. <laughs> yeah, They're like, you know, I mean. like when the cake steams. Yeah, it's a classic steaming cake. No, not on this planet, honey. She's like, no, no, no. It's a treat for me. Like, I never get to bake for anyone anymore. And I was like, did your whole ass family die? Like, also you work in a diner. I feel like that'd be, you could bake any day you wanted. Do you have friends? Yeah, like get a side hustle going where you sell your cookies at the diner on the side. That happens a lot. So he's like, oh, all the food I eat on the road is junk. And it's like, you're also literally eating a chocolate cake. Like it's not like she made you a nutritious organic chicken (laughs) breast or something. Couldn't tell you the last time I had a home cooked meal. Right. And it's probably probably right before your wife left you. It was the day before. Yeah. Um, So she asked him, he's like, how are you holding up? And he's like, it's weird living alone, but I don't complain. I'm not a complainer, which is something that only complainers say. Yep. Um, She responds by saying, um, just forks. She goes, forks. And And he's like, oh, yeah, go get them. It's like, girl, like he just... You asked him a serious question. He downloaded you on info and your response is forks. And I felt right away, I'm like, oh, she's horny for him because she can't even hear this. She just, yeah. so he gets up, comes up behind her while she's getting her forks and puts her hands on her hips and it's about to get romantic. That's all we know is that the dam has broken. So Keith's at a gas station. Um, the music tenses up as he sees a newspaper headline. It says, police discover a young Portland woman killed, strangled, body found in ravine. Um, so these are the other headlines I wrote down from the newspaper that were there. Did you see these? Let's hear them. Cities opposed to state plan, uh, cities opposed to state's plan. Great. Strike looms. <laughs> Apology diffuses tensions and dispute. And business calls for limits on homeless. For limits <laughs> on like homeless what? Is that just buzzwords? Yeah. 
Um, so I didn't, I'm not using as a, a clip of this, uh, the first time we meet our queen in this movie, but she's a sex worker who's got, she's, she's got an attitude, honey. And she comes in she's like, hey, hey, oh, it's the Mountie. And he's like, do I know you? So rude. And she goes, you still keep that stupid postcard of Dudley do right on your visor. And then like the truckers laugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they all laugh at him. <laughs> yeah. And like they're, he and these truckers are buds because he makes a homophobic joke. Um, they say hi. And he's like, Oh, I thought you two were on your honeymoon in Honolulu. <laughs> and it's like, okay. You know uh, what? I'm so like. That's so normal that when he said that, I didn't even register that as a joke. I was like, oh, they went to Honolulu yeah, together. Like, yeah, like, I yeah, thought yeah. of them as a couple. Yeah. It's like, oh, I guess that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> he's just being homophobic. So then he goes to, um, I love this for her. She goes, hey, I got myself a new boyfriend and it's the real thing. I'm going to go out on the road with him. Uh, she pulls some like red soda out from, I loved it. Cause it's like, who drinks a fruit punch soda? This chick. Um, she does. And she uses a red vine as a straw. Totally. And her last meal was French fries. On a good... Oh, you're so right. Um, so she goes, I'm going to tell you, Mr. Mountie, weirdo truck driver, man, he's screwing me way better than you. Her lipstick is, I notice now, is insane. Great makeup for this. She overlined her lips great. And then Keith, Keith like flashes back to his childhood. He's playing with a baby kitten and and young Keith spots a microwave while this adorable baby kitten is is playing with him. And you know what happens next? He fucking puts that cat in there. And he says to her, "We flash back to current day." And he says to this woman who just called him Mister Mountie, "I remember you now. You're the one that always wears a flea collar." Oh, dude! I took I I was <laughs> like, that is rough. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he's hitting her where it hurts. Like, that's some girl shit. Like, that's shit that girls would say because they know how to really hurt each other. So she doesn't like this. They have a little stare off. Um, and then I wrote here, was he sleeping with uh, pros at the truck stop when he, the pros is what they call them on SVU, um, at, the, at the truck stop when he was with Cora too. Like, this is where I start to realize, yeah. oh, he has a long history with of, employing with seven. the lot lizards yeah. as they're they're known in trucker terminology lot lizard blew me away because it comes out towards the end and i'm like oh shit like he is very familiar and then i wrote or he's been banging girls nonstop in the three days he's been single which is true this guy's definitely a sex addict of some type so now we get another vlog um it is 2705 to 2825 i love these vlogs Maybe I'm too sensitive sometimes. Yeah. But when people get cute and sarcastic with me, I see red. <sighs> That's when they have to pay. And if I don't get the respect I'm due, it's gonna go downhill real fast. Do you recognize this? This dude's like a living comment section. So now Melinda's at the bar and she's confronting the bartender with a picture no. of sissy really she had your bar's name stamped on her hand it's not my business i like that See, he's that's not a snitch at first i like for that you. because by not cooperating with an fbi agent i could arrest you for impeding a federal investigation which has a penalty last time i looked of five years in prison or i could give you a second chance since i don't want your stupid ass clogging up the justice system which would you prefer? 
She used to come around here. She was in the other night. She left with some guy. What's her name? Sissy Payton. First and last name basis Thank with you. us. That is, I mean, customers. that that blew me away as well. Because, like, it also makes it seem a little bit like he was kind of pimping her out when he sent over his friend. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, do you know Sissy, like, gives it up? Um, I'm not, like, he was just like, sure thing, man. Move on. Go to Sissy. Go um, to my sex positive friend. Here's her first and last name. Exactly. Exactly. So Keith leaves the gas station and sees a few working girls outside and an older man is talking to a young woman and she's there with an infant. Um, and then he gets a call on his cell phone. It's the woman from the diner asking if he misses her. So she's in right away. She's like totally digmatized and really likes, really, really likes him and um, can't get him off her mind. He's like, I miss you too. I'll be back home in a few days. So they're, they're talking and the woman with the baby approaches. Um, he's like, I gotta go. So she says that her name, um, we see on the screen rather that her name is Candy Smith. And Candy Smith has a baby. Like, I, it's a, that is, that's a tough situation to be in because yeah. it's just, it's not, it's not desirable in any capacity. So, um, I just wrote here, if he kills that fucking baby, like I just wrote that to myself, like as a response to this, I, I was for sure, sure that that's what's going to happen. But she says, hey, nice rig. Um, he says, where are you headed? And she says, I was actually trying to get to the market today. I need to get formula. So he's like, that's the least I can do. Drive, give a mother a ride. So um, then we see Sissy's mom identify her daughter in the morgue, which every time I see one of these scenes, I think about, God forbid, if I ever had to do that. Or if anyone I love ever had to do that. You know, it's just, I can't, I don't understand like how people... I, I don't, I, every, somewhere in America every day, someone has to do that. And I don't understand how they ever move forward. If that's even I, I possible. Don't, I don't get the legality of it. It's like we, that's from an era where we didn't have technology to prove it was who they were. Right. Now it's like, just scan their teeth. Right. Let me know if it's them. Yeah. Pull up their fucking Facebook. Yeah. Like, pull up, pull up any picture and hold it next to them. Uh, <laughs> Have someone who does deep fakes uh, look at their face and like see if it's yeah. There are ways to prove it. Yeah, it's it's brutal. Um, and her mom's like, "Can you please cover her up?" Which thank God she said that. Um, she wanted to give her some dignity, and she goes, "You know what? It was kind of just a matter of time, and thank God I won't have to worry anymore." Which that really was on that was on my heart because you know that there's so many parents out there that know that their child will die before them. And it's just terrible to think about that pain. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of reasons why pe someone might have that hunch. And it's just, this is so sad. So It's crazy when they have those very real moments in the midst of all this shit. Mm -hmm. To where it's like, ugh. Like, spend more time on scenes like that. Where it's like actually dealing with the emotional weight of what we're watching. Right. Versus almost fetishizing it and making it goofy. Well, Lifetime does do this this great thing sometimes where they will backload the movie with really good supporting cast. And I think that she was good. And I think that that's why I also really felt for her. So they do, they okay. will get at least one or two in every movie that it's like, yeah, you're, you're the kind of MVP of this. So, um, Melinda's like, I'm sorry. No one deserves this. Doing my best to find this man. So, um, a woman comes into the police station and she looks like she's had a rough few days. Like, that's my first instinct when I see her. She's wearing sweats, her hair's in tangles. 
Um, she looks exhausted and she says, um, she knows who killed Sissy. It was, uh, her boyfriend and she was there and it was the two of them. They did it together. So in real life, this did happen. Um, but the woman called in anonymously and said that her boyfriend did it and it was this guy. Um, and then eventually when they figured out that it likely wasn't him, um, she called and said, you know, I need to tell you the whole truth. And she said that she was there. So in, in real life, she did not go in. Cause I thought what we're going to find out is I thought this was a, this is desperation at its literal peak. Yeah. Um, so they bust in, the police bust in and arrest Bud Skinner. Cause of course that's his name. <laughs> Um, he looks rough, but like he also easily was very confident that he was going to be okay. Cause he's like, they're like, you're being arrested for murder. He's like, why would I murder someone? Like as he's in cuffs, for me, that would be my biggest fear is I would freak out knowing I didn't kill anyone. Um, but he takes it like a champ. So Melinda starts looking around the house a little bit and she spots a piece of tape on the floor of the bedroom. Okay. Killers have tape. Um, killers love tape they love it then she finds a box next to the bed that has clorox rope um more duct tape in it because later on she's walking around with a roll of it spinning it on her fingers where i'm like that's evidence girl and i know that 1990 wasn't like super clued into dna i think anything post oj was where dna was really being thought of but um Yeah, she's touching all the evidence. And then she sees a book next to um, the dresser called How to Leave an Abusive Relationship. And like in that moment, she knows that this is a false confession. In reality, um, they couldn't, they didn't know for like basically like several, like nine months or something that this woman was in an abusive relationship and that's why she went to the lengths she did. Well, that's why that guy was so calm and confident when they came in because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, there's that too. No one's going to affect me. No one's going to touch me. Right, you're so right. Oh my God, see like that is like, it's it's very like, oh, this is a dumb person's version of like the best way to do this. But also, that also could just be how fucked with and desperate she could be to get out of this. I mean, yeah. that's like next level. Um, so we uh, hear Keith g- grunting in his truck, and it took me a moment to realize that he was getting a beige from Candy. Yeah. And the baby is in the front seat of the car, and it's a fucking cute baby. Like, it's really a perfect baby. Um, and Candy, like, is like, so how about 150 bucks? And he looks, he's, this is a processing, processing issue. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said I'd drive you to get some formula. And he seems like he really believed that that's all it was. Um, and she's like, I made you feel good. And now you're trying to make me feel bad. And he's like, so I'll, I'll, let's strike a deal. I'll give you 20 bucks to go buy formula and I'll leave you here. Get out of my truck. Um, and she starts to say like, you know what? I know my worth. She says, I'm going to call the cops and I'm going to tell them that you raped me, you loser. And you're going to pay me or are you going to pay me or not? You freak. So. That's rough. Um, and this is where he, he just, he starts strangling her and it's very, very violent. The baby starts crying and I think this is what saved her life. But again, this is trying to paint him sympathetically as if 
like, you know, she's a mother. I can't do this to a mother. I'm not going to dispose of a baby. He seems to have a moment and that seems to what yeah. is what pulls I mean, him it's out a, of it. Because we know what he thinks of women. Right. But the second that baby cries, she's not a woman. She's a mother. Yes. So it is that like, okay, well, you're just like Cora. Get out of here. Right. So this is, this is the heavy virgin whore complex, literally, that takes place in this movie where... Someone like Diane was held at a very high standard. Diane from the diner, Cora, high standard. Cora basically says later on that she, he, he'd never been violent with anyone. He had mm-hmm. a rough childhood, but she never saw violence. Um, and that's like, that's definitely what's going on here is that anyone who's willing to like have sex with him, just they're not, they're not on that pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, it's not great to be in either of those roles. You know, it's never, it's, and it's such a prevalent thing. I don't, it's, it's rough to think that someone is so psychologically conditioned this way that this is how they, it's just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like, I don't know. Um, so, I wrote here that this will fill out his profile nicely if they wind up finding out about it because he didn't want to hurt a kid. Um, and I love profiles, as I said. Like, this, that's my favorite part of any of these movies. <laughs> um, so Keith finds out about the false confession next. Um, and this pisses him the fuck off. Um, I want to play this scene partially just to see the way that Keith goes through it, but also the audio effects um, when he pours the coffee. is It's such loud pouring. Um, so 33, 32 to 35.05. Dolores Parnicki and her boyfriend Bud Skinner have been arrested in the strangulation murder of Portland woman Sissy Payton, whose body was found by hikers in a forested area near the Columbia Gorge. Authorities report Parnicki has confessed to taking part in the murder and has implicated Skinner. It's humiliating. It took them so long to figure out he was a truck driver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like, this is the type of dirty bathroom that doesn't ever really exist until you're actually at like a real deep, deep truck stop and just everyone has given up. It's filthy in there. Uh, I feel like that's like the kind of thing that will make you hold your pee for one more state. Um, so he looks a little bit pissed. Uh, Obviously, someone took all this credit for his work. Um, that's where I 
that's where I was like, oh, this is all com- this is this is really forming in a nice way for me because this was exactly who I thought he was the second I laid eyes on that motherfucker in his visor. Like he is just. He lives in his own world. I feel like he probably thinks when he shuts his eyes that like nothing exists, you know? Yeah. He's one of those people. So um, we come back from the commercial with cute driving. Um, he arrives with a plastic bag. He's actually going to see Cora. Cora comes out of the house and I mean, I'm a little bit taken by how little conversation has gone on regarding the separation, the divorce, the custody Like, he basically wipes his hands clean of it, but he actually really seems to love his kids, so I don't understand how we're supposed to digest that. Because they're like, they're like uh, extensions of him. Right. And like, with his dad being shitty, I just took that as like, oh, he thinks it's his job to like, pretend to be the best dad possible. Yeah, you're right. And I think that the way that Cora comes out, she really looks like a person who is so like he knows what he did wrong and he knows that she's had it and that this is she's exercising her god-given right to leave a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. Um she's playing chess, he's playing checkers. That's right. That's right. Um so she says I want you to leave as soon as he pulls up. Um and he's like can I please just talk to the kids. So after a moment of begging and Cora looks like she's tearing up just as he even stands yeah. in front of her. She did a good job. Um she did. She was great. Um, the kids run out of the house. They are like so happy to see their dad, which I found really heartbreaking for them. Just thinking about growing up, knowing that this is what your dad did. Like, and they're so young and just like, normally kids annoy me in movies, but they're like, I'm like these sweeties. <laughs> Same. He gives the girl a doll and a bo- the boy a new baseball mitt, which oh, just gendering the fuck yeah. out of them. <laughs> um, Cora looks destroyed as she watches on. Um, so I just wrote here, sometimes I write notes. At this point during my first viewing, I didn't understand what happened, what Cora's deal was. Um, she didn't see him very often and he was absent. So she took the kids away and acts like it's a favor to let them see him. What am I missing here? So that's like kind of like where you're at at this point in the movie. The first time you see it, if you're just like very passively watching, I would guess. Right. Um, so Melinda goes to speak to Dolores, the woman who confessed to the murder. Uh, Dolores is, I really, I love her. I have to give it up to her in a big way. I kind of love that she went there, that like this real person went there. I mean, this is next level. So let's, um, let's play this and then we get another vlog. So we'll go into the whole thing. It's like two minutes, um, 3641 to 3842. What's really going on here, Dolores? Are you just saying this because Bud treats you bad? He beats you. You want to pin this on him as payback? He'll get what he deserves for what he's done. To you or to Sissy? How did he kill her? Rope. What else? Gloves. Duct tape. Like the ones I found in your apartment? It's almost like you wanted me to find that stuff. Bud must have hit it. Ask him. Dolores, if you're trying to set up an innocent man... He is not innocent. <laughs> anything. Tell me about the signature left on Sissy's body. What does it mean? Whose idea was it? Dolores. I know what you're doing. I understand why you're doing it. But Bud didn't kill this girl. The real killer 
is still out there and he is going to kill again. Please help me. I've told you everything I know. So get this. Some whack job named Dolores Parnicky told the cops that her and her boyfriend killed Sissy Payton. Which is a miracle since they did it. I did. I killed her. They're trying to take the damn credit? It was me. Maybe whisper that. Like, your neighbor could be (laughs) mowing the lawn next door and hear that. Um, He's making one of his little kill videos again. Yeah, exactly. So um, we go back to the station and Melinda, who I think is, I think she's good too. Underrated. Like, the subtlety in her acting is, um, I mean, I think everyone's a little bit washed out by David Arquette in this movie. Like, his badness brings the whole fucking team down. So the assistant, Felicia, brings in um, the messages that were left by Keith at a truck stop in Burlington, just pictures of the graffiti. Um, and she says to Felicia, can you look up any papers um, that mention, if, see if they mention the missing zipper or not. So um, we see Keith getting a, a nice club sandwich. It actually inspired me to get a club sandwich. I didn't, but I wanted one um, at the diner. And he asks uh, Diane to sit with him for a minute. And she's a little bit reserved at first. And she's like, you know, I feel like you forgot about me. And he's like, no, I've been driving around. I've been thinking. And she turns on a dime. And she's like, about what? Um, And he says that he's been thinking about the two of them. And he wants to get, you know, he wants her at his place more, he says. Everything is better when she's there. It's not even like, I want you to be my girlfriend because I miss you. It's like, yeah. I just need some like activity around the house. I need some steaming cakes in my life. And she like, Diane takes the bait and she reminds me a lot of Megan in the Craigslist Killer where she seems so singularly focused on like reaching the finish line, quote unquote, aka getting a guy to marry her, that she ignores all of these big signs. Yeah. Melinda's talking to the DA at Yakima Washington Courthouse. Um, and she doesn't get why this like whole graffiti thing isn't enough for them to kind of investigate a little bit more. And this DA is my number one enemy in life. He is such a condescending prick. We won't get to hear from him for a little while, but when you hear him, Oh, he, he is a piece of sh- This is the last type of person you want to deal with in life. And he's, and she's like, Dolores can't even describe the happy face correctly, which made me wonder if she does like the two lines with a smiley. Oh, definitely. Which I hate. I hate that. You do two dots? I like, I like a good old circle with two dots and a little smiley. Wow. I That's, guess I do the lines. My Aunt Mary used to sign every card with one of those. So I think I always really like, she had such, she still to this day has a very special smiley. So he Excuse says, he's me, happy. Yeah. Sorry. She has a happy. Face. She has a happy. You're right. My mistake. So he says, I like evidence in the real and hard category. Um, there's so much misogyny throughout this whole movie. So we see Bud taking a lie detector test as the DA speaks to Melinda, Melinda, a classic intercut. Um, he says that the fat lady has sung on this one and it's Dolores Polnicki, which I love that name, by the way. So she signed a confession, apparently. She, um, and Melinda's like, well, innocent people, like, sometimes they confess. And he's like, well, so do guilty people. Um, 
this is like, he is just trying to put someone in jail. He doesn't care about anything, um, which is so scary. Um, so she says she found the abusive relationship book in the house. She formulated a plan. She gathered evidence and, and then she implicated her boyfriend. And then he tells her that if she wants Dolores and Bud out of jail, she needs to work a lot harder and find evidence that means something. He loves truth and justice, but he likes evidence more. Then the assistant walks in with the polygraph test. We find out that Bud failed his polygraph. Um, which is so easy to do, by the way, because what a polygraph basically judges is not whether or not you're telling the truth, but whether or not you believe you're telling the truth, which like this man seems like he might not know 100% if he did this, you know? And that guy didn't even know where he's at. No, for sure not. So we see a young woman hitching on the side of the road. Um, she's very, she looks like a college student. She's very, very pretty um, and does not look like she is, she might be the only non-sex worker, but who knows what her deal she is. She was like an Allison Williams character. 100%. She really reminded you of like a wholesome, just wholesome chick. And she, this is like 1990s. So like hitchhiking was not out of the question. Um, her name is Southern Northern. Or no, her name is Summer Northern. And I kept calling her Southern Northern on the entire <laughs> movie. But it, that's probably what it should have been. So just as crazy as Summer Northern. Yeah. So there's a lot of like the naming in this movie is hilarious to me because they've re- the the writer has no re- like she whoever wrote this. Let me see who wrote this. Pretty sure. It was oh, a dude. it was Richard Christian Matheson. Yeah. Um, he has some really. I mean, they're all pretty derogatory. The names are just like okay. Well, that's like what you think a, a stripper's name is, for example. <laughs> yes. Um. So she approaches, um, and we see, um, next thing we see is his big truck parked behind a ditch, basically. He's pouring himself a drink from his thermos, which is chilling. Um, and Summer is dead behind the log. He's ripped her shirt open. Um, and he looks in her backpack and finds a lipstick and he writes a note. So the police are at the scene now. It's like a day later or something. Um, they have a little bit more evidence this time. They have an ID and everything, which is great. Melinda um, tells the dead body. She speaks to her, which always happens in these shows. She's like, I won't let them get away with this. That's a big... Mariska Hargitay will speak to any corpse on that show. And Summer's body goes, thank you. Right? Exactly. Um, which I, I mean, I hope that that means that they're big believers in the afterlife or maybe they're just fucking crazy. I don't know. So she finds a note with like on a piece of wood and it says, I killed Sissy and I did this one too. Maybe next time you'll believe I'm still out here. Um, and she says to the sign, you're really starting to piss me off. Um, which felt a little casual. Yeah. Um, so Jackie was in the room while I was watching this. And so she caught a decent amount of it. And at that line, I got mad. I was like, the first murdered woman didn't piss you off? Right, 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 right. The second someone did this and marked the body, like, with a calling card, you weren't instantly pissed? Yeah. Well, because, like, right from the jump, the the smiley or the happy face is kind of a brilliant signature because you know the first time you see it, like, you don't have to get several in and realize, like, oh, there's a code here. It's almost like Zodiac Killer-esque, where you're like, there's only one type of sick fuck who would leave that, and that's yep. a serial killer. So, finally, Melinda notices the tire tracks. Um, I just wrote, thank you. Um, Diane <laughs> sees Keith in town, um, and they seem thrilled to see each other. This is like a hot happening couple, and he hugs her and he kisses her. 
Um, I wrote, this feels fucking bold for a guy that's like still not divorced and apparently his wife is in town, but I didn't realize this was a time thing where they weren't very clear about how long that things have been going on. He takes her into the park and he tells her he's had the best few weeks of his life and that he's so in love with her. Um, she's like, I feel the same way. I just didn't want to say it first. And he says, you know what? Once those divorce papers are filed, like I want to get married again. She's like, I'm sorry, what? Totally pulls out a huge diamond ring, proposes to her in the park. Um, doesn't even get on a knee, by the way, which I found like, I found it disturbing. Now it's like multi-layered to me. And it's like, oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't find it an honor. Um, yeah. And that's all about her experience. And he's not going to give her a good experience. Totally. Um, and she also, I don't know if you notice this, but this actress almost like dips in and out of what sounds like a British accent at times. Um, and she does that during the wedding and during the engagement scene uh, quite a bit. So, um, we must schedule our wedding. Yes. After I'm out of university. <laughs> so she, uh, is very enthusi- enthusiastic about this. She's thrilled. They start making out in the park. And I just wrote like, girl, like this is where she's Megan from the Craigslist killer because to most women, after a few weeks of dating, that would be a major red flag. He just told you he loves you for the first time. And in the same breath of proposing to you, mentioned his divorce. Um, so at home, Keith looks at a picture of his wife and kids. Um, the news is on and the woman says that Dolores, uh, confessed and that her boyfriend denies it, but they're giving Dolores some notoriety, um, as the alleged accomplice. So I noticed the word notoriety. That's what really like sends him off. And, um, he says to himself, she got it all wrong. He starts to get really frustrated and starts just like walking around being like, I did it. It was me. I did it. So at this point, he's so pissed that he's inspired to pull out a legal pad and he sits down at the kitchen table that I love and he writes a Mm -hmm. note. Um, I wrote this shot is actually pretty cool because they do, they like don't break. It's all one shot for like quite a minute and they actually take it a little bit too far. Like I'm like, they should have cut this after the living room, but, um, let's play this note writing thing. It's a minute long, uh, 4620 to 4756. I would like to tell my story. I am two people, and sometimes the bad one is in charge. When I'm my bad self, women better be careful. Remember Sissy Payton? Met her at O'Finn's Tavern and raped her and beat her up real bad. I strangled her and ended her life. This turned me on. I got high, painted happy face on her chest. Told you it was time to believe that I'm out here. Met another one at a truck stop in Kennewick, summer northern. Long brown hair, country girl. My mind went wild with the thought of a sex slave told her she was going to die and slowly strangled her with my belt. I felt so much power. Dropped the body out in a field by a pile of wood. Red lipstick drew a happy face on some plywood. I want the world to know that this is my crime, just like Sissy. Whoever you think did it, you are wrong. 
It was me. So I actually thought if that hadn't been David Arquette, that that would have been very, very scary and pretty cool. Well, I mean, that's almost straight up the Zodiac letter. Right. That he sent to the newspaper, the police and all of them at the same time. Yeah. They were like, you didn't you didn't put details in the paper. Here's what I did exactly. Yeah. Which is fucking horrifying. Most of the time that people do that, um, it's like, that's how they, like, it's, that's their mistake as like on SVU. They'll be like, but I didn't, you know, and it's how always how they get found. I mean, this is, this is really brought down by David Arquette in a specific way that you're so right. It almost seems like they're making fun of it because this was just such a strange casting choice. Yeah. Um, I bet he probably made money for this too. Like, I bet he probably... When they get someone like this in, do you know their salary range for these? I don't. Do you? We know? gotta know. We gotta find out. There's got to be a friend who's been in. One. What's the SAG like rate on like? Well, I mean, I guess it always fluxes <laughs> it's a, a SAG, lot. SAG ultra low, but he made like 175 a day. Right, right, right. You're right. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like Bella Thorne did one recently, and I'm like, they had to have paid like an extra 300 something, you know, like 300k yeah. or something to get her. Of all people. Um, same thing, Flowers in the Attic, they had Ellen Burstyn and Heather Graham. And I was like, how much fucking money did they put into this movie? Like, that is a real production. Yeah. Um, and Lifetime does balance it out by doing a shit ton of like filler movies. Um, but this was a, this is like, you could tell this was a big budget. Yeah. Um, so he and Diane are, are going at it. Um, and I just like, imagine fucking a serial killer. Like imagine not knowing that's like that. I would light my body on fire if I found that out. That's like every movie. It's like scream. Yeah. It's like hooking up with, uh, the guy who killed all these people. Yeah. That are your best friends. Totally. And your mom, your mom, like, isn't that who ki- wind up killing is, was it Matthew Willard's character that killed the mom? Because she broke up the marriage of his Yeah, his Billy parents. did that. Yeah. Billy, yeah, okay. Scream is... That that movie comes up an awful lot on this podcast. And Scream is just so fucking iconic, man. Like, I'll never get over it. I love yeah. those movies so much. So, um, basically, while they're fucking, he gets this crazy look on his face. And he starts running through all the murders in his mind. And then at one point, he just, like, pushes himself off Diane. And I felt like he stopped having sex with her. But I was like, ew, is that what happens when he comes? Like, he just, like, runs through all the murders. Um and Diane's like, who knows where she's at? Like, I don't think Diane got off in this scene at all. But of course, she rolls over and she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm cool. Um, and he's like, I'm going to miss you while you're on the road. And he's like, miss you too. Um, and that's just so hard to watch because I'm like, she's just showing up in every way and giving him any and every like luxury emotionally that she can. And he barely passes yep so melinda looks over um at all the photo evidence in her office i love a good you know red string moment um 
And Felicia <laughs> comes up to her with some coffee. So Felicia, this is her whole thing, is she loves do- delivering coffee. She loves the mugs. It comes back a shocking amount in this movie. I 37 mean, times. And it's actually quite sad. Like, it's ve- it's profoundly sad. Um, so she says to Melinda, it's personal with you, isn't it? Uh, Melinda's like, yeah. And so we go into this whole story. Melinda, like, just basically launches into the story about how her sister died. They never really figured out who did it. Um, she had just gotten married. And I'm sitting there being like, well, obviously it's the fucking husband. Um, but they never, um, they never found the person. So Felicia turns back to her and goes, I'm really sorry to hear that. And she starts to leave the office. And then she turns back to her and says, you asked me to check the papers to see if the zipper was mentioned. It wasn't. And she leaves. And I'm like, is that your olive branch? Like she, you had to walk in there. She like fully puts out her rawest emotional moment. And Felicia, like you're on staff. Like she asked, she delegated work to you, which is go scan the papers. And you're only saying this, like, it's like, I'm going to offer you this information because you just disclosed this traumatizing event. Like Felicia, that's your job, dude. Like the job's not about the mugs. Like this is, you're trying to solve a murder here. (laughs) It was so bizarre to me that like, that was, that's how you get fired. So, um, the DA comes into Melinda's office and he says he just got this letter and he's like, who knows? Like some wacko sent me this. Um, he's not taking it seriously at all. Um, and she's like, it's not some like nut. It's this actual, it's the actual killer. Um, and he goes, when are you going to let this go? Um, so she says that the FBI verified that this handwriting is exactly the same in the bathroom. It also matches the wood by summer. Dolores and Butter in jail when summer was killed. So, um, he's like, you know what? Probably just a copycat. They're dying to get, they just want to get this off their plate. That's why the Innocence Project is so important, you guys. Like, there are so many people in jail that didn't do shit just because people want to like move paperwork quickly. Yep. Just be done with their job. Yeah. Check out and go home. And it's like, then they just go home and they're like, but there's a killer. Like, they know there's a killer on the loose still. Um, yeah. And then you get that like psychological double whammy of, someone's life is being wasted but also the happy face killer is out there right and there's gonna be six more women because of you and also the ultimate irony would be like if that happened to someone in his family like that's yeah that's like that would be the movie i want to watch but no so he talked about the zipper only the kill uh the killer would know that and she he's like well that's interesting but it doesn't mean anything so Anyway, we're dealing with a real asshole. Um, and he says that Bud had entered a plea for 15 years and no innocent man would do something like that. And I'm like, absolute. That's exactly what an innocent person would do is that yeah. they're like, I just want to get in and out, man. Yeah. So then we come back strong from a commercial break with the newspapers hitting the streets about how the happy face copycat is out there now. Um, and we hear the news anchor on a tiny little TV in a gas station. She, uh, says a bunch of stuff. Let's play 51 minutes to 53.30. In a case that continues to astound, authorities have confirmed that Bud Skinner murdered Sissy Payton as his girlfriend Dolores Parnicki watched. But troubling new twists have surfaced and it now appears someone dubbed the happy face killer is taking credit for the murder as well as others. It may or may not be a copycat. Whatever the truth is, the entire Pacific Northwest is on edge and asking itself, who is the happy face killer? 
ignores a call from Diane and he's approached by a young woman, Becky Sue Balling. Balling. Get it? I, I couldn't, I couldn't not get it. And Becky also loves jewelry. A letter just came for you, Agent Gant. So the return addresses a smiley face on this letter. Love that. Post office is like, where the fuck do we take this Dear letter? Dear FBI agent Gant, I've written to everybody else. And I read in the paper about how you are the lead investigator. So maybe you will listen to me. Skinner and Parnicky had nothing to do with anything, and they are pathetic liars. It was all me, and I feel like I'm being treated wrong. So she starts his profile. She wrote narcissistic and underlined it. I deserve that because I'm telling the truth. Maybe sometime we could meet. Good luck with everything. More to come. Sincerely yours. P.S. Check this letter for my fingerprints because they're all over it. I licked the envelope so you have DNA. Licked the envelope. So she's finally realizing she's looking at a map and she's like, it all adds up, baby. We need to interview people at the truck stops along the interstate. Well, yeah, you found a fucking note in a truck stop. I know. So check the security cameras for anyone who got gas in the last 24 hours. Pull the hiss. This is unlike a lot of these cop shows or movies or whatever where, like, I think that everyone in this movie slept a good eight hours every night. Like, we're not seeing anyone, like, just looking like, you know, she hasn't been, her hair's done. She's, like, looks clean, like, presentable. Honey, like, did you blow dry this morning? Like, you got to get, you're working on this thing. So this is the list that she wrote, and I don't love it, but it's, it's, okay. So it starts out with bipolar, then narcissist, violence with women, craves envy, which I've never heard that combination of words, craves envy. I've never heard that. Um, abused childhood, question mark, question mark. Um, so, mm. That good profiling. So Melinda starts piecing together all this. Um, she finally figures it out. Now we go to Keith. This is, oh, this is like the worst. This is the worst. I didn't know the worst way to die. Like I've always never wanted to die in a fire. I've always never wanted to drown. Don't love the idea of being stabbed. Probably would want to just get shot directly in the head. That would be my, that would be, you don't think about this? No, like how I'd want to die. Or like, like just like emergency. I just love the assessment. Probably wouldn't love getting stabbed. No, because I feel like you know you gotta you gotta get in there quick. Like if it's if it's quick, tight. Like I want it to be instantaneous. Yes, of course. Um, so lethal injection. I thought maybe I'd be interested, but apparently it's very painful. Yes, Um, it's like acid in your veins. mm, So. Keith is dragging some chains through a parking lot and he puts the chain. It seems like it's, yes. it's odd. Where is he putting these chains, right? In the car. Um, he's like weaving it a little bit. And then he says to, uh, says to someone, we don't know who, he says, have a nice day. Then we realize it's Becky. She's still alive, fully conscious, fully aware, alert. 
Um, and she has duct tape over her mouth and he's about to fucking drag her under the truck, which that is my least favorite way to die. I think. So here's the thing. I, I'm into horror movies. I have a horror movie podcast. It's I love, it's my bread and butter. And that scene genuinely made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Seeing her under the truck chain that way and him driving away, knowing that she's going to drag under there was horrific yep it's, it's also, a 10 it's a 10 out of 10 as far as horrific goes it's it was it's i'm i'm so haunted by it and i'm so so this is a little bit of background on adam is like as you just said you have horny for horror is that what it's called it's called horny so for we were gonna do any sort of horror movie and i sent you a bunch of various ones and you picked this one which i kind of was like well i don't know if this is like real horror like i hope he's satisfied or whatever but this um this might have been the only like real horror type moment in the movie outside of this is just a really horrendous situation. Yeah. But I'm glad you had it had that impact on you I too. I mean, ten out of ten. That's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre level fucked up. Whereas like that you would have someone under there like that uh, yeah. alert. And it also seems like this is his. Um, he's starting to get desperate to get noticed. Yeah. Like because this is Cause not that, that uh, had to that like dragged across highways right so you would see that that creates quite a mess and you can't that's not a cleanable mess um Mm -hmm. in any way and i just i'm oh my god i don't know i don't know if that's real if he really killed someone like that i'll have to look it up later but that is i almost don't want to know because it bothered me so and the reason it bothered me is it's such a (laughs) creatively horrific way to kill someone that it fell out of place in this silly Right. depiction of the event right no you're right it, it was really it was really shocking it was very it was i i didn't even know what i didn't know what he, i thought maybe this was like a snow technique you know sometimes chains over your tires in the snow i don't know what the fuck was going on so um he gets a call from sweet diane while he's doing this to this woman and he's wiping blood off the dashboard and uh she says something like you know, I was thinking like we can maybe take our honeymoon in Lake Tahoe. And he's like, yeah, sounds good. Um, same thing as Craigslist killer, same thing. Just get the lady involved in the wedding and go do your dirty, crazy shit on the side while she's busy, like putting things on her Pinterest. Um, <laughs> and then he's she updating says, his serial killer Pinterest. Right. <laughs> and then she says, uh, and when we get married, I could quit my job and ride in the truck with you and go everywhere together. Um, and he's like, well, we got to talk about that. But anyway, I got to go. We'll talk later. Um, I would probably break up then. Yeah. That's when I'm like, oh, something's awry. Like, oh, I don't know yeah. what it is. I've watched enough of Joey Greco's Cheaters to yeah. be like, anytime someone on the phone's like, oh, hey, uh, something's up. I got to go. Yeah. It's like, no one does that. No one does that. So we're at the truck stop now, um, and the girl he made the flea collar comment about gets out of a truck, um, and she says to the John she's just with, which I don't, we, we need to update the John terminology because like we've really, we've gotten to sex worker, we've gotten to a healthy place with that for the most part. But John's like, I don't know, that's not, it seems a little too casual, like guilt free to me in a weird way. Yeah. Which if this was legal, if that was unionized, it probably it wouldn't be, but there is there's something more sleazy to it where it's like. Well, if it, is it if it's sex worker, is it sex customer? Right. Well, they they get off easy. I don't know what it is because there's a lot of manipulation there. Like it's never someone that's like just doing it because they want to. It's someone that like is into that, you know. Yeah. 
Very rarely is it just someone trying to lose their virginity. Yeah, or um, just have sex because they enjoy sex and haven't had it in a long time. Sure, It's exactly. all tied up in the experience. Sure. Um, so he zeroes right in on her. Um, again, we're going to have to play this clip. Because I love this actress and I want to give her a minute. She's great. I, wa- I do wonder what happened to her boyfriend. But this is a long clip. Sorry to do this to you guys, but 55.35 to 59.55. Um, I love this woman. Her name is Candy, by the way. She's great. I'd recognize that ass anywhere. Oh my God, Keith, I was just thinking about you. How you been? Busy. So where you headed? Everywhere. Imagine that. That's where I'm headed. (laughs) As long as you aren't the happy-faced killer. Garland, do I look like the happy-faced killer? You got it. You look good, baby. You been exercising? Here and there. Oh, great postcard. I love Mounties. (laughs) Yeah. I remember. I met him in a truck stop in Mount Ruskin. It was with my baby. Me and him were going to party in his rig. He tried to strangle me, but I got away. Sorry, I fucked up. I called the um, sex worker that he just got in with, the one that I love. I called her Candy. She has a different name, and I forgot what it is. Um, We'll get to it in a minute. But now we're in a donut shop, it looks like. And Melinda is now meeting with Candy, who was the mom who had a baby, and um, he let her go. So this is the one, this is like, Candy's everything because we really need her here. Um, so let's go back to the scene. Sorry. Is your baby all right? Other than having me for a mother? Yeah, she's fine. Candy. Are you willing to press assault charges against him? Do you know his name? Keith Jesperson. She knows his first First and last. Uh. You're still the best. That's not what you said last time. Come on, no way. No, you did. You insulted me. And the Mountie postcard I have clipped in my visor. You had no right to do that. Insensitivity is the modern plague. It brings out the worst in people. So, uh, I'll just get a cab. No. No, you won't.
They say abusive behavior toward animals is one of the first symptoms that you're on the road to becoming a serial killer or murderer. You know, I never thought of it that way. I never thought it like I was abusing animals. I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching them die. And I looked at those things that are so scared and trembling and just watched the life leave them. I got off on it. Just like I did with Taff. Anyway, there isn't much difference between killing an animal and killing a human being. I mean, you get to the point where killing something's nothing. Let's face it. Being alive is what kicks your ass. So, be careful out there. Look over your shoulder, because I may be closer than you think. Okay, so what we just saw was him after the Mountie thing, which do you, what do you think of this? Because they started to employ this like halfway through the movie or more than halfway through. And then they come back to it a couple times. And I think it's a little bit late in the game to start flirting with this idea that he's becoming more delusional with time. Yeah, it's late in, late in game. But it's also establishing that like serial killer thing of how they see themselves. It's like Andrew Cunan. Yeah. Well, they, uh, we call them Andrew Cunanan in Massachusetts, Cunanan. but it's Cunanan. So Cunanan, where he's like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a this like I have this job, I do yeah. this." Where he like sees himself as a hero and that yeah. Set. You know what's funny is the only other time we've seen this is last season when we did the Anna Nicole movie because Anna Nicole would speak to young Vicky Lynn Hogan, which was her Aww. real name, and she'd be like, I'm Anna Nicole. Like, don't worry, you're going to make it, which was, like, lovely and sweet because I'm like, oh, Anna Nicole was so childlike. Like, I feel yeah. like she would enjoy yeah. this telling of her life. That was the goofiest thing in the world. That was insane. That'd be like if in the middle of, uh, in three-fourths of the way through Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Hannibal Lecter saw himself as a little boy. He's like, cheer up, chap, you'll make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With like a propeller hat. Exactly. The only movie <laughs> that. that's actually ever done this bit well, I think, is True Romance, where he's yes, talking he's to Elvis, Elvis in the mirror. Like, it's that such was, a good device. Yeah, that was done very, very well. But even that, when the first time I saw it, I was like, wait, is this really happening? Like, I've never <laughs> seen someone pull this off before. So, um, we're going, the vlog is, um, is intercut with him dragging Taffy's body to a remote area and we see him throwing a boulder. It's not really making sense what's going on, but this is like some sinister shit. So the police get to Taffy's body and, um, some of the hunters say that they've, their dogs found the body, which I do, I did not like that. Um, yeah, you don't want to be found by dogs. So they're like, well, there's no smiley face. He didn't do it. And Melinda's like, no, this was him. He's just using a different technique this time. Um, and then we see like Melinda's like standing there and she looks up at the top of the hill, sees the police car, looks back to Taffy, looks back up to the hill, looks back to Taffy. She does it like six times. Yeah. And then she crawls up or climbs up to the hill to next to the police car and she looks down and she sees that there is a happy face. But Taffy is the mouth, and there's two boulders for eyes and a huge fucking circle drawn around the whole thing. And that is, um, that, that was a holy fucking shit moment for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> goddamn nut. We have to play another, we have to play another clip. I'm so sorry. There's gonna be a break, but people like this. I don't know why I'm apologizing. 10103 to 10345. Mr. Jessica Sim. I'm FBI Special Agent Melinda Gand. 
Well, it's an honor to meet anyone from the FBI. You can call me Keith. Okay. We brought you in today to ask some questions. We appreciate your cooperation. Mind if I record this? Fire away. Have you ever been to the Offense Tavern in Portland? Yeah, a while ago. Used to shoot pool there and get some beers. Spend any time with a woman named Sissy Payton? No. She was strangled and tossed into a ravine. Happy face scrawled on her. Ugh, I heard about that. Sissy was last seen at O'Finn's tavern. Did you meet her? No. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Wait, didn't I read that some couple killed her? Have you ever been to the Turlock or Mount Ruskin or Kennewick truck stops? Yeah, all the time. They're right along my main route. You meet a summer northern or Taffy Billings? No. Do you recall meeting a woman named Candy? She had a baby at the Mount Ruskin truck stop. Candy claims that you tried to sexually assault her, tried to kill her. So that's what this is about? <laughs> Look, I'm no angel. But Candy's a working girl, and we got together. That's it. She wants to press charges against me? You think anyone's going to believe some lot lizard whore in court? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you recognize this? It's a letter that you sent to me, Keith. Signed by the Happy Face Killer. In it, it says, maybe we'll meet sometime. Here I am. Am I under arrest? Because if not, I've got to get back out there. Got to make a living. No, you're not under arrest. Not yet. I didn't write that letter. I know you want to find this killer, and I'm sorry, I can't be more helpful. It's All been right. a pleasure. Listeners, you got to tweet at us and let us know if they have enough cause to ask him to submit a DNA sample. Because his DNA is all over everybody, and someone has named him as an assault, like... An assailant. Yeah. I mean, this... Okay, so the only thing that I would say is that this is 1990, so they weren't really... Do, they didn't even oh, really okay. know about DNA for a while. Got it. But this is the classic, you know, can I get you a cup of water moment? Yes. And then they keep the cup of water. Classic. So I guess that for me then is, as someone who didn't know this was in the 90s and like didn't catch that or pay attention... Say that multiple times where it's like, you know, DNA, like, yeah, I know they wouldn't they say don't, we don't have no. something as invented, but, but like, they don't, they do a time mesh that is very odd always on these movies where it's like not really clear if it's 1990 or like present day. Yeah. Um, Cause the dude's on a hoverboard, but he's also using a cassette Walkman. Right. It's <laughs> exactly. very confusing. Exactly. Um, Fred Flintstone, but he's in a Tesla. These are the most confusing movies, but that's where a lot of the logic, like, it's like, dude, this is a Lifetime movie. Like, there's... Someone would have caught this. Like, some executive would have caught this in any real movie. So, Keith is now in another restroom uh, at a truck stop, splashing water <laughs> on his face. He hears the sound of police cars, and he looks outside. Um, so, uh, he's starting to get afraid now. He knows yeah. what's up. 
Um, he's the, a very stupid man. He's not smart. So and, everything is setting him off. And also overconfident. Like that's the, that is the punish. That's like a, a curse. If anyone in this movie is overworked and understaffed and overconfident, it's him. Yep. Um, so we get a new vlog. I'll just run, run, wrap this one up, but he says that, um, just when he thought he was getting his way, an FBI had to come for him. And of course, it's like a fucking girl. Of course, it's some woman. Um, one more worthless, uncaring bitch in my life. You got to admit, it's pretty ironic they sent a woman after me. God has one messed up sense of humor. Um, he also says something during this that he appreciates. He understands that uh, the FBI had to come in because he's such a genius. He's like such a savant at killing people. He appreciates that they sent in their best guy. But it's, it's, it's just some fucking bitch. It's wild. So she bends down. Um, this is the near the end of the movie. This does seem right, but they do, they, you know, not quick enough. They stretch it out. I mean, we're only there. We've got 27 minutes left before they finish like selling their commercial space. So, um, <laughs> we come back from the commercial, commercial and Cora, his ex is speaking with Melinda, probably someone I would have even interviewed first. Um, she says Keith was always sad and lost. His childhood was a nightmare. His dad made him torture animals. Unreliable narrator. Uh, the kids at school bullied him. Um, he was a really good dad, though, and he probably... She can't see him, like, being the type of guy that would kill someone. She knew there were affairs, but if anything, he liked women too much. Classic <laughs> misinterpretation. So, What can I say, baby? I love women too much. But, like, that is 100% the kind of thing you tell yourself when you're trying to not really accept that you've been sleeping with a murderer for years, married yeah. to one. Have yeah. ch- your kids are half him. Um, so Diane and Keith are looking over some silverware for their, for their house. Like Diane is so wrapped up in this wedding. She's down to the forks right now. He's totally tuned out looking out the window. He's, he sees that there's like a plainclothes detective across, uh, across the street. Police are riding by. It's a long, <laughs> The second he chooses to look out the window, it's like at its peak of all happening. Um, Diane's just babbling about the silverware throughout this whole thing, too. Melinda interviews his brother. He's like, you know what? Violence, just the way we were raised. Very casual about it. But he says, you know, Keith did get the worst of it. Um, she says, um, like, he, she called him the sacrificial lamb, which I found surprising. Um, when Melinda says she spoke to Cora, it sounded rough and his like face changes a bit. And that's when I realized this is a really bad actor because for some reason he looked terrified. But then he says with Keith, it wasn't just about the abuse. He always wanted to be someone else. He could never control his emotions or rage. I think he came into the world like that. Um, so nothing in his face says any of that, but yeah. it's all there. Yeah. We get another vlog, um, short one. It's 107.22 to 108.02. Everybody thinks they're special. Everyone thinks they're smart, but you're not. You're either the wolf or the sheep. All right, listen, listen, hear me out. This is important. As far as killing goes and getting away with it, here's the key. When you're trying to dump a body, that your real adversary isn't the police. It's actually the public. So if you don't want to get caught, make sure that you have no links to the victim. And Duh. then take their body far, <laughs> far away. Time and distance is the main trick. And if you get that right, well, abracadabra. Yeah, I mean, he's like, an idiot. Fucking duh. Yeah, he's a, uh, he, 
really he's like he's explaining in his mind like the earth is round like this is the logic like he's exactly this is why i feel like when i read reddit i usually assume people are telling tall tales like i'm like okay like sure jan but this actually this is where i start to be like oh my god maybe some of these guys that are like just you know oh here's how you get rid of blood like there are all these people talking about shit like that on reddit Maybe they're actual murderers. <laughs> yeah, like maybe be. Malls needs to tune in a little bit and stop being like, well, I can never murder anyone. So who would? You're the naive cop. I am so, I am, but I'm, I'm not even <laughs> that. I'm not even that. I'm Diane. Like well, I am totally Diane. While he's driving the truck, you could see all his real tattoos coming oh, out of his sleeve. Real? Oh, yeah. I didn't. That they he didn't have really cover bad that. tattoos? Uh, I I didn't Google it, but he has like a heart on his wrist and like something else peeking out. Yeah. But they didn't cover that. Well, David Arquette had some rough years and yeah. I think that this might have been in the middle of them. He started... He like went on Stern and talked about it, didn't he? he like his kind of breakdown. Yeah, his... he did. And he, well, that's when he started like Beecher's Madhouse and then like he was supposedly sober when he was had started this bar, but it was very obvious he wasn't because like, TMZ was like stalking his ass. Um, that place was wild. Yeah, it's you went there, right? It's yeah. like it was crazy. They had like little <laughs> people and people dressed up like Cookie Monster, and like it was it was the wildest club. I is it done? I don't know. I don't think it is. I remember I went there on Thanksgiving Eve, which is my favorite night to go out in LA. Which people are always like, "That's everyone's favorite night." No, it's the best night in LA because everyone's gone. Yeah. And like the next day is not, it's not Christmas. It's not like a real holiday. It's like Thanksgiving. It's a fucking meal. So it's, yeah, it's the best night to go out. So, um, keeps back on the road. Um, here's sirens go up and he looks at the car like basically they, the sirens aren't for him. And he looks at the car like, you fucking dumbass. Like <laughs> I'm the guy right here. Happy face killer slips another noose. That said, there's no one else on the road, so I don't know who the cop is going to unless it's, like, a major call. So um, the guys we met in the first scene that we played the audio for, this, like, flirtatious couple or whatever the fuck's going on there at the dispatch place in Canada, I think, um, they, um, they're they back. The woman, the blonde woman, I think is his wife, tells her boss that there's someone here to see him. It's Melinda. While he's there, um, Keith calls. I realize this after. They kind of don't tell you it first. It's a setup. So Melinda's there the whole time. Um, the, the boss who has to do this call is really nervous. And that is really the unsung hero. I think in any of these cases, like the person willing to like wear the wire or like do that quote unquote betrayal where they like, you know, place a phone call basically. Um, so Keith is basically begging for a job. Um, he's like, I really need a run right now. Let me know if one pops up. So Melinda basically is like, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to like trap him by like you giving him a job, but we got to like, they had to wait a minute for some reason or another. They couldn't just do it that day. Yeah. Um, Keith is driving his truck without a trailer, um, which looked very odd to me. I forgot trucks did that. Yeah. Um, he's hearing all this news on the radio about, um, basically him and every single station is playing this nightmare. So, um, starts to panic. His phone rings. It's Diane. Sends her to voicemail. Um, and then keeps driving. Then he gets home and Diane's like, he doesn't even greet her. He doesn't even say hi. It's just like door open and closes. And then after a beat, she goes, you didn't answer your phone. And it's like, oh, honey, like, how are you this beat down already? Like, I understand, but 
there's a there's so many things to be pissed at but you like she she's already at that point where she's being meek and like the problem is that he didn't answer the phone and it yeah. just really like she did an okay job in this scene cuz it really like spoke volumes um and he's like i got busy so She's like, it's not just that. It's like, you say that you'll be gone for this amount of time and then you don't come back. And he's like, I get my calls from dispatch. And he pointed up to the sky, like to the, like, as if that's where the dispatch thing is. But then I was like, does he think he's taking notes from God? Like, is that how he thinks this is going? Is this where this is going? But no, he literally meant dispatch. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and she's like, listen. And this is just so sad. She goes, I have all these wedding plans to make and I just can't make all these decisions myself and you're never home. So I call you to like help me, but then you don't answer. So like, how am I doing this? We're not communicating. And I'm like, can they give her something besides the wedding? Like, can she have something? Cause like that actually would probably be most people's dreams is to just the guy doesn't care and just go fucking ball out, do whatever you want, deal with it later. But Diane literally needs help with simple day-to-day decisions for just this wedding. I want her to have a hobby and friends. No, it's a, a dude wrote and directed it. And they're like, what do women like? Yeah. Weddings. Great. Where yeah. could they work? I mean, it's like a diner. Yeah. At least in Craigslist Killer, Megan had a very strong relationship with her family. And we knew she was rich. Okay. That's like, Good. that's some lifetime dimension. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So. Flesh them out a bit. But that's always how these movies are. Everyone likes one thing. So. Um, I did write here that, and I don't love this about me, but I thought she was being, a, this was a little whiny for me. And I know that's so fucked up, but like, she's not communicating with him like an adult. She yeah. clear, like she didn't temper herself before doing this or think like, this is how I want to approach him effectively. She's just letting it rip. Like she seems like a toddler who didn't get what she wanted, which is this is not great because she doesn't know who she's dealing with. And she doesn't know that this is exactly the kind of thing that got sissy killed was just having, having an opinion. So, um, she basically like, she's immediately goes into, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm really like, this is my thing. I'm not being fair. Um, and then he says to her, um, don't be like this. And he, and she goes, don't be like what? And then he goes, um, I let's just play this video because it's it's great to see how he transitions. This is the line right after she says, "Don't be like what." Um, how this turns, it's very interesting. Let's start over. I'm starving. What's in the fridge? Nothing. I think we should postpone the wedding. No shit. Thank God for her, though. Why is it that all women cause trouble? You know what? You don't want to see this. So we see Diane with duct tape over her mouth. Loves tape. Tied up in ropes. Killers love tape terrified um i would have liked this better better if he had like a standard like youtube intro if he was like hey welcome back to my channel or something like that this is obviously not for the internet Uh, if you want to subscribe go and click on the link down below but this was so this is so specific as the type of person who needs to do like video entries 
about everything because yeah. this wasn't this wasn't the culture back then, and like there were people that did this, and I'm fascinated by them. The TV addict, video addict, that documentary about yes. the Oh, I love that. I love it. And like, that's a lot of times who documentaries, like subjects of documentaries, like they've been taping themselves their whole life. So you walk into the, it's like a wet dream. Cause like, if you're a documentarian, half the footage is already there. Yeah. Um, you just have to fill it out. But there's a specific type of personality that has been utilizing the camera to create a narrative about themselves from the second that they were sold at stores. Um, so <laughs> when I was a kid, my uncle Bobby got a, a VHS camcorder, which was like very rare. Yes. Because of how expensive they were. That was fancy. Were. He got it, took it out of the box, plugged it in and showed me because I was a kid and he wanted to show me how it worked. He goes, isn't this cool? You can make movies. You can film yourself. I go, awesome. He walked away. I walked out into the front yard, pointed at the sun <laughs> and zoomed in and it burned the camera out. No way. Instantly. Just opened out of the box. I did that. Ran back in, set it down, ran into the other room and played a game. And he's like, I can't figure out why my camera won't work. Ooh. I never told him. Oh, I hope I'm he capable listen of lies. Mother Mary's podcast. <laughs> he does. It's his only podcast. Oh, no. Um, I'm sorry, Uncle Bobby. Well, I mean, that's also like, that's so being a kid. That's like the life story of being a kid is like, just, you're an idiot and you're yeah, walking you're around free in the world. And like, also we grew up in the eighties where shit was janky and weird. Like always the Polaroid camera broke the second you took it out of the box. That yeah. is the most relatable story <laughs> because you just fear for your fucking life yeah. after that happens. Set it down, ran in the other room. And, um, Camcorders were not expensive in any way. So um, Keith goes to the kitchen to wash his hands after this happens. And there is so much blood. On, there's more blood on his hands than there is water in the sink. It's like crazy how much yeah. blood there is. So back at the station, the chief knocks on the um, Melinda's office door. And he's like, we got a missing person for a Diane. from. She works at a diner and she's engaged to Keith. Finally, fucking finally, Melinda is having her moment of like, we might believe you. So, um, Keith writes John Jesperson on an envelope, which I thought it was his dad. And he pops the tape in and then he hears sirens coming, a lot of them. And then we see like 10 police cars and a million cops. They sent out the whole force for this. Um, that's a very small town. Very. That when there's a call, the whole police force shows up. It's crazy. Because they've I'm got like, something to do. you got to have some... Who's giving the parking tickets out? What if someone comes into the, the office? coffee lady. Just Felicia? Yeah. Felicia's doing it. So um, the scene uh, we started with is now playing out. So now we're finally seeing what was the first two minutes of this movie. Um, the rag covered in blood. And the, like, the way that they transition in between the different shots, because they don't just play it all out is by flashing like a white transition and it's like a whoosh, whoosh in between everyone, which makes this look like a 99 cent movie. Like it looks so cheap. I edited this in iMovie on my phone. Exactly, exactly. And I will say like, I appreciate someone in the editing team like having fun (laughs) and then them being like, yeah, but it's it's not great. So they find Diane's body. We didn't get enough footage to like cover the transitions. Yeah, just use a white whoosh. Yep. Um, we find Diane's body, and of course, they title that just the same way they do, with the same font and the smiley face, which I liked. I liked that even Diane got it. They were consistent. Normally, yeah. I would expect them to not include that. Um, and Melinda just looks at her body and says, I'm sorry, Diane. So 
Um, I have no idea how this happened, but somehow Keith heard these sirens and still got out of his house in his tractor trailer or whatever. And he drops off um, the envelope with the video at his brother's house, um, puts it in the mailbox. And we also see he's carrying a small, like, I guess it's a pistol. Is that what that is? Yeah. Um, So he pulls out his cell phone um, back in the car and he leaves a message for his boss again, reminding him he still really needs a job. Yeah. Which, like, I love that this motherfucker is literally trying to get gain employment after, like, the police are at his house, just found his dead fiance. So he's already been in the police. And this guy, some balls on this one. So Melinda explains the plan to the other cops. They're going to, like, trap Keith at a location using the um, dispatch guy. Um, Keith is driving. Oh, and he, she has to say to all the cops, because she's like, do you have any questions? And all these male cops are just standing around. She's like... These women matter. Like, we have to do something for these women. Um, they respond, they don't respond. Um, so Keith is driving, he spots some cop cars. It's clear that he's very paranoid right now. Um, and he starts to kind of like get a little bit like, um, a little bit like wonky. Like, it's very clear he's having vision issues or whatever else. He reaches for his phone on the dashboard one more time and he calls Des, who is his boss. Um, by the way, did you notice that he keeps his phone on the dashboard and it's like a truck, so he has to reach like two feet forward yeah. in front of him? Um, so he says, um, hey, man, has anyone called like looking for me? And does like, <laughs> what kind of question is that? Are you like paranoid or something? Um, which is like, why would you call and say that to anyone? Um But it turns out Melinda is there. She mutes the phone and she tells Des he's going to have him lead him to a specific place, whatever. And then she takes the phone off mute. Keith is like, quit fucking with me, Des. Like, as soon he knew that he was put on hold, but he doesn't understand, like, what happened. And Des is like, I'll call you back if I hear something. So Keith almost has a collision with another truck. He pulls over and he gets out. And then he takes his gun and he just, like, fires off a shot. And I don't know if it's a warning shot or if he's checking. Maybe he was testing to see if the gun worked. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, is that, that to me is like, I'm, I'm willing to use this. Right. Like it's a live loaded gun. So, you know, I like mean business. Right. Okay. Who knows? So Who knows? As he's about to get back in the truck, he looks into the um, mirror on the side and he sees himself as a Mountie one more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they rented that costume. Right. You know, they did those shots in the same day. Oh, 100%. I was thinking about that too with all the flashbacks as I'm like, they had one budget for this location. Yep. So, um, then we see Des and Melinda talking. Um, this, we're almost done, you guys. It's 11755 to 12015. Got it. Call him. Look, I know this is fun and all, Agent Gan, but I'm not getting killed, am I? Call him and give him this location. Hey, Des. You're in luck. Klingman Industrial Warehouse for pickup. What am I picking up? Uh, three tons galvanized steel, six tons of I beam.
John. It seems like my luck has run out. I'll never be able to enjoy life on the outside again. I got into a bad situation and my emotions caught up with me. I killed a woman in my truck during an argument. And with all the evidence against me, I guess I truly am the black sheep of the family. The court will appoint me a lawyer and there will be a trial. And I'm sure they'll kill me for this. No. Sorry that things turned out this way. I've been a killer for some time. I've killed eight people, assaulted more. I guess I haven't really learned anything. Hey, if I'm going to do a confession, I'm saying everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, I killed Voldemort. <laughs> I killed JFK. Well, it's interesting you say that because in real life, you, did you know this? He confessed like 100. He said he killed 160 people, <laughs> yeah. um, which is he later recanted that statement. But, um, you know, he's like, if I'm going down, bitch, like I, I killed everyone. Anyone who's dead died in the last 10 years, me. It was me. Um, so this is a, he gets to the, the place where he's going to pick up all the, the tonnage of shit. Like literally he's picking up over eight tons worth of stuff. No one should be able to do that. That's too much stuff. Um, but he's being ushered in there. He's being very suspicious, but all the workmen, it looks like a normal operation, right? Well, the, the guy that walks up to his truck is the, the pervert who harassed her in the beginning of the movie. Isn't that the same? Oh my God. Dude? Oh, T, you are so right. That is exactly who that is. If I was Melinda, I'd be like, I don't want that motherfucker on my <laughs> yeah. crime scene. This is my big get. Okay. Um, but I guess maybe you do want your enemy there to see your big glory. So, um, <laughs> he gets out of the truck. He makes sure the gun, the gun is in his pants. Uh, the warehouse worker turns around and he's like, freeze motherfucker. And we find out that not only is he a cop, but there's 90 million cops at this scene. Yep. Um, they tell him to put his hands behind his head. He actually fucking does it. Um, let's kind of just ride this out. Uh, 12148 to 124. Oh, yeah, this guy's a coward. He's not going out in a blaze of glory. Oh, well, what's not with the, what's with the gun? It's all, yeah. A coward would kill themselves. This is just like some self-righteous shit. This is like, well, I would like, he thinks he's going to get off. <sighs> That will startle. Get it, girl. Hands behind your head, Jesperson. Can you guys watch this movie and tell me who everyone looks like? For the murder of Diane Lofton. I didn't kill her. Yeah, you did. Just like you killed Sissy Payton and all the others. You can't prove that. I know you're the happy face killer. That's ridiculous. Get him out of here. I really am sorry we didn't have any time together. I guess you were right. 
great. I said they nodded her approvingly, like, you know what? You really <laughs> did that. Like, you finally gave me that evidence I've been asking for. Agent Gand, something to remember us by. Felicia comes out and brings her the coffee mug because that's her only personality trait. Yep. And the sheriff is like, she really is protective of these mugs. That's quite a high honor. And I'm like, none of you should even be talking to her. You should all be like eating shit in your office. Like everyone, you should all be getting chewed out. By like, I don't know, the fucking commish or whoever it is that's <laughs> yeah. in charge of all of you. You Hold on. You let how many women die after it was clear this right. dude was doing it? You're all fucking fired. Right? Are you kidding me? They had his name two months ago. Yeah. Like, it was wild. So, um, Melinda gets into her car. And this is another example of how Melinda is just done dirty at every turn. So, she gets into her car and she sees an envelope addressed to her in the front seat. It's exactly the same sort of like manila envelope that everyone else has. Um, but she opens it up and it's from Agent Ancelo, who I think was her boss back at the FBI, who said, you know, we're playing jazz. Um, and he says, been working on your sister's case. Some new info. Call me when you get back. And it's like, did she have to solve this thing for someone to give a fuck that her sister was mysteriously <laughs> murdered? Yeah. Like, the only time she gets any sort of, like, respect from a per- basic human decency is, like, after this dead sister comes up. Or when she solves this, like, just fucking multi-state homicide thing. So um, we see he's dressed as a Mountie in the woods. He has, um, he's on a horse, our boy. Um, it's a totally different vibe. It's like, actually, he really is this character. It looks like a maple syrup commercial. <laughs> and um, no, it turns out he's just in prison staring at himself in the mirror. Yep. Um, which is dark to think because, like, that's who you don't, that's who you want to get the death penalty because this guy's just fucking, he will be masturbating to himself for the rest of his life. He's loving it in there. Yeah. Um, then we see, um, two side by side shots of Bud and Dolores getting their mud shot, mug shots taken. And we see, um, sort of the wrap up on that. And it says Bud Skinner and Dolores were released from prison after the conviction of Keith Jesperson. And then Keith is shown in black and white getting his mug shot taken. And it says, Keith Hunter Jesperson confessed to the murders of eight women and claimed that he had killed over 160, which he later recanted. Jesperson is serving multiple life sentences in the Oregon State Penitentiary. He will be over 125 years old before he's eligible for parole. Um, which is, he should never be eligible for parole, no. even if the motherfucker is, like, they're, I mean, sure is dead. Like, that is that to me is a more upsetting detail than anything is that parole would be possible for someone. Yeah. Is that like a that's a state by state thing, right? It's got to be. Right? Like uh, like what the the penalty for murder is, every state weighs it differently. Totally. But like, yeah, not eligible for parole, I feel like it's slapped on to most people. So when this comes up, which is very very interesting, especially considering all the the finer details of this movie. Um, this picture is inspired by a true story. However, some of the characters, instances, and dialogue portrayed are fictitious, and names have been changed out of respect for the families um, and the victims. Any similarity of such name, character, or incident to the name, character, or history of any person, living or dead, is entirely coincidental and unintentional. So, 
out of respect for the dead, you changed their name to Summer Northern. Yeah. And uh, Taffy Cindy Candy. Balling. Yeah. Yeah, oh, good. Respectful. And also, like, this is the... This is like the really the the two mile like run of this version of just like you know this is fictionalized if events may be depicted differently like yeah. they really they really leaned into like just so you know like we didn't not one thing like we didn't even we barely even know what happened in this case um, <laughs> yeah. they're totally avoiding any and all responsibility. Um, I loved this movie. Do you have uh, any final thoughts? I'm going to read the trivia after and then we'll do our scale. I mean, it, it it was rough. It definitely the fact that they didn't humanize his female victims, but spent all that time with like the dumb mounty shit. Right. It's like with all those long pauses too. Add a couple moments like uh, the mom. Right. Add a couple moments that are heavy where it's like, well, now I think of these people as people versus just. Can one just, of them just say something like, "Thanks, like I really need money because," or like. Yeah, I turned to this because, or like yeah. whatever, like or, you know, or really seem to enjoy it or anything like that. It's like it's, these are all yeah, nothing, not one line. Or give his fiance the line where it's like, you know, I'm worried about you, is because like yeah. you're hot and cold. It seems like one moment you're really into this, and the next you're blank. Totally. Like, give thirty seconds to that. The only thing they gave anyone really, and now that you point that out, it was like the girl uh, Taffy when she was like, "I got a boyfriend." Like that's yeah. the only <laughs> like positive thing that happens to any woman in this movie. Um, so I'm gonna read some of the trivia um, stuff real quick, and then we'll do our scale. You think about if you haven't already your favorite movie of all time. Yeah, it has to be different than the one you did last time. Okay. So for goofs, we have continuity. The crime scene photos Agent Gan looks at before she's handed a cup of coffee of the victim's head pointing in two different directions. Um, <laughs> that's for, the I'm two saying, different fonts on yeah, the envelope. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, for sure the handwriting was all over the place. Um, character error. The FBI supervisor goes to great lengths to disparage a local law enforcement agency's to Agent Grand, but when she's at the potential crime scene, she handles evidence without wearing gloves. This error is repeated by the district attorney and again by Agent Gan yeah. when they're handling the letter from. I mean, I love whoever wrote this. Like, God bless you for being like. Well, actually, like, this is, duh. Like, this, um, it was Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes. Factual, here's a factual error. Someone listing a factual error in this. The FBI was called in supposedly due to the murder taking place in Oregon and the body being dumped in Washington. The problem with this is that there was no defined crime scene. Cases such as this are investigated with the jurisdiction where the body was located. If evidence of that crime took place elsewhere was discovered, at this point it would be investigated and, the prose- and prosecuted there. The sheriff states at the medical examiner's office that the only evidence was the happy face bar stamp on her hand and that her zipper had been cut. The hand stamp would have been ins- insufficient evidence to um, define the crime scene. There we go. That is some tea. That's exactly what I was looking for. Because, like, when they said she was murdered in Washington but buried in um, Oregon, I was like, well, how do they know that? True. (laughs) Continuity. When writing the confession note in the bathroom wall, he draws a happy face on the wall. During the wide view of the note, the happy face is different. Um, there was a woman who turned to her, uh, turned in her boyfriend and took credit for the killings. But as it turns out, she was just trying to get back at him for being a jerk. The real Keith Jesperson was offended by the fact that they took all the credit since he was so proud of his killings. Well, that's not interesting. We knew that. <laughs> Audio, visual, unsynchronized, unsynchronized, uh, the police car that passes, the truck 
has the siren going, but the overhead lights are not flashing. Okay. Um, that's, yeah, that's the problem with this movie. And then, um, you could do that. If you hold down the horn in a police car, that's what will do the siren. Yep, there's that. So they don't need to have their lights on. So I just proved you wrong, IMDb. Guess what, motherfucker? I mean, this is all just someone with, like, way too much time on their hands. <laughs> like, there's usually, like, um, oddly serious reviews where people would be like, ugh, waste of two hours. or And, like, they'll give it, like, four stars. <laughs> yeah. Or there'll be someone so <laughs> earnest who were like, this is actually an amazing performance by Megan Fox. Like, she has such dimension. Like, it's like always all over the place. But this is one piece of interesting, uh, shady evidence. Um, so in the booking photo, Jesperson, uh, is shown as being about six feet tall. The actor playing Jesperson, David Arquette, is five feet, ten inches tall. In reality, Jesperson was six feet, six inches. Oh my God. Yep. And weighed 240 pounds. Yeah, he was a pretty beefy dude. I looked at his actual picture. I'm not trying to get killed by some six foot, six inch man. That's God. Slender Man. That's literally Slender Man. Like, that's well, a tall not person. Not so Slender Man. And but. also, 240 pounds, I don't really know, like, what guys weigh. Like, I, good luck. Like, I, I weigh 200 and I'm six feet tall. Okay. Um, I don't think that 240 sounds big for, that sounds like pretty lean. Am I wrong? No, it's, Pretty big. I mean, I'll stand up to compare, but it's and make him go crazy. But you but that's six like, inches higher. That's like weight. Okay. It, it, he could be very muscular, and I bet he'd still be around like two twenty. He yeah. probably has a bit of weight to him. So okay, but still imposing. Like that's a big dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Six six makes me nervous. Totally. Oh my god, I had a, I met a friend the other day for the first time in real life. And he was six five, and I like I gasped, like I was really I was shocked. Um, it's a that's a tall ass person when you see one. So let's go do our scale now. It's a little bit different than when you were here last. What okay. is your favorite movie of all time? Let's say Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, good call. Um, so let's say in terms of our acting here, is this closer to a Rocky Horror Picture Show, a one, or a Lifetimey Lifetime movie? Oh. Lifetime, lifetime. Yeah, it's it's yeah. A, is it like a five? I mean, David Arquette is off the charts. Five. Let's give it a. Five. Let's give it a five. The brother really also sold it for oh, me. Oh God, just the yeah. Worst. Believability of the world and characters. Like, did you feel like this could be a real? The time I mean, fucks with it. The too. time, yeah, and just I like I would say I don't believe that they wouldn't hold him, but then I've watched Making a Murderer. And pulled my hair out. Right. So I, I'd say three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because I, I don't buy that people wouldn't immediately, like, Diane with um, the diner be like, she's gone. She was talking to this dude. We don't trust him. Right. Totally. And also, the um, I've been to a lot of truck stops in my day, like, road tripping or whatever else. I have never seen a truck stop that heavily populated with sex workers <laughs> ever. Yeah. But at everyone he went yeah. to... There was like a party and it was like a it block party. It looked like party. the Moulin Rouge. Yes. Like anytime exactly. he walked out of a door, there were like 70 people dancing. Right. Um, this movie didn't really do that a lot, but creative use of words to avoid censorship, which is like when someone's like, gosh, like, gosh darn it. Or yeah. like, um, oh, sugar. Forget you. Yeah. They didn't really do that. They didn't really do that. I didn't notice that I'm going to give it a one. There's the one time he was doing his vlog where he's like, <laughs> they said it was in. And it was me that did the dang thing or something yeah, like that. Yeah. The gosh darn thing. Yeah. That, I, yeah. I'm going to let that one slide because I feel like we're going to just let it fu- slide. This movie might actually be taking the cake for this entire season. I really yes. do think that. Dialogue. Um, closer to a, a real, real movie, a real good one, a real bad one. Mm. 
I'd probably give it a three. The writing didn't bother me too much. Yeah, it wasn't the writing. It was in the performance. And the, for sure, the direction. You yeah. always see when that disconnect is there. Wardrobe. Um, <laughs> did it look like it, you know, did it look out of place? I thought it actually looked pretty legit. I believed everyone there would kind of dress like that. I would say with the sex workers was a little bit extra for the yeah. most part, but they would make decisions like candy where they kind of had her just in a sweater as yeah. a mom. That she unzipped and pulled low when she was right. working. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, I want to give it like a two. It's not bad. I might bump it up to a three because of the leather jacket they put the detective in. You're right. Three. And I also feel like the the main person who's carrying makeup is Taffy. She really carries that <laughs> yeah. for me for hair and makeup, um, which is our next category. I mean, it was all, it looked like everyone kind of had to come camera ready. Yeah. There's that. So yeah. it was like budgeted, like a three, right? Right. Not bad. Music. This is a five. This is a classic Lifetime five. We got that happy together cover. Everything, everything relied so heavily on music because the acting wasn't there. Yeah. So like they really had to have a score in every scene. To let you know how to feel. Because I can't see it in the eyes of David Arquette. It's not that most movies don't do that. Like they'll use it very sparingly, and it's not distracting. But in this movie, you it know was what? So distracting. You know what? I, I'm gonna throw some shade. Everyone is talking about how good The Haunting of Hill House is on Netflix. I don't uh-huh. know if you've seen an episode. No, I think someone told me to watch it though. But they do. It's almost all monologuing. And anytime someone's telling a monologue, they do a slow push in on the actor, and the score that they put under it is so distracting, yeah. just sweeping scores to show you what they're saying versus just let them talk. I think Karen Kilgariff said it in a way that I've like really made me reevaluate the way that I listen to music in these movies was when she did the Flowers in the Attic episode and she goes, I didn't notice it. And like, that's kind of what you want to feel. Yeah. But with this, they kick in with the corniest shit and they just do it nonstop. Yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, or if you notice it, it should be making you feel a specific thing or right. indicating something versus just, oh, just God. Just exists, like that rock music that hits when he goes to the bar. It's like, it's also literal as well. Yeah. Um, so crying. Royalty free. Um, for crying, we didn't get like a big crying jag, but we got something very special, which was his brother crying. Yeah, one tear hanging on his eyelid. Yeah, and that was pretty bad. I feel like crying from Candy too. When yeah. she said anything wrong with the, you know, anything wrong with the baby and she's like, "You mean apart from me being her mother?" Yeah, Candy was actually really good though. I thought she was good. She did an okay job, right? She kind of looked like Selena Gomez. She did. Like what was she has a look. Guys, you got to watch this and tell me. <laughs> tell us. I know a lot of you do Please. watch them too. Um what wilds what's wild to me is how many of you don't watch them to be honest. Crying, I mean, I feel like that's a three, right? It's like the brother was maybe yeah, a two. I would do two. It okay. wasn't it wasn't something that stood out to me. So victimization of the female character. Lifetime is television for women. So they always this I don't think was sympathetic enough in a lot of ways, but also they did a great job with Melinda, who there was no Melinda in real life. There was never there was a, Oh wow. There was not a female detective that like spearheaded this well, operation. Then, <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um it was all like, it was just, I had the dateline's great because it's like, it's like literally just like local dudes. Um, but 
I mean, I think they did a really good job with Diane. I felt terrible for her. I felt terrible for Cora. Melinda took a fucking hit at every turn in this movie. No one, like, no one even wanted to believe that, like, it's possible she could solve a murder. Meanwhile, yeah. she's the only, she got this, she got this done. Um, and also every woman got murdered for being a woman. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know how we would scale this, to be honest, because I think all, every woman in this, movie is a victim in in a unique way from how we normally I mean it's a five. Every or every female character was a victim of yeah. something. Yeah. And that's always a little bit the case. Like you see it from different sides, but this was so like it was very literal. And also the abuse was constant and nonstop and so varied. Like everything from workplace sexual harassment to like Felicia having no life and just being like told like okay Felicia like they just he would just roll his eyes at her in like such a mean way um I don't know if this is like maybe I mean is this like a four or a five or is this yeah it is because this is a heavily yeah this is a five right four I feel like you gotta you gotta pull the vote for this I gotta do a five I mean it's really bad it's really it was really bad um because I felt it, but I would definitely want a woman to to, to rank that. So this is what I'm going to need your help on um, in a big way. Failure and or refusal to jump to logical conclusion. Because there are so many times I'm like, this motherfucker essentially wrote his name at every crime scene. At every crime at scene. At every crime scene. Touched everything, stomped all over, licked envelopes. It was him immediately. Like any anyone would know it was him. He would like came in. They like got all the way to the questioning. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty. Um, and also he had was so illogical, and so was Diane. I mean, Diane couldn't could not see. She was colorblind. She couldn't see a red flag. Um, I'm feeling like. I mean, what do you you pick? You pick the number because I don't. I, I don't want to go ham. Word the category again. What's it called? What's it, what is it specifically? Failure, failure and or refusal to jump to the logical conclusion. God, there's that horrible montage of her like piecing everything together in black and white. Whereas like, well, all this was obvious from the jump. Right. If she had had a coworker helping her, maybe. I'd give it a four because at least it implies that she knows it's him, but legally doesn't have enough because the the system is pushing that hard back against her. Yeah. So at least there's that establishment of her not being able to convince people. Absolutely. But still, everyone felt so dumb. Right. Well, so everyone dumb. was so dumb. Um, Melinda was the only smart person in the movie. Even like those those sex workers talk to each other. Yeah. It's like the second one of them goes missing and they're like went off with that guy. Yeah. They would all know. They would all talk no, about it. No, it truly is. Like, I, I mean, from my understanding, it's more tribe-like than not. Like, yeah. there's a, a conversation happening. Because I've watched all these documentaries about it. And it's like, we watch out for each other. Right. It's like, where was that, like, sisterhood that, that yeah, brings there was this no comeback down? Um, dropped plot lines. Do you think that they <sighs> wrapped this shit up like a nice good movie that was done? Or like, I mean, I'm... I'm mostly mad about the teddy bear. Yes. The dad. Yes. Um, anything that happened with the kids, Cora, like yeah. where did that go? Is Diane okay? Um, like I would love to know more about the abusive relate. I mean, it, but that was, that was pretty, t- they gave them their own like title card conclusion thing. Um, yeah. I mean, you- main plot gets resolved, but 
there those are huge drops. Yeah. I mean, three, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Let's give it a three. And then the last one is font. And oh, that's why five. I was that's railing. A five out of five. That's why I was railing on font this whole movie because we don't usually, sometimes we don't get this, but this was, this was all font, baby. Oh, God. So and it beats you over the head with it. Sammy has to do the math for me because I um, am too dyslexic to do basic math this quickly. So what's the score, Sammy? 42. That is, um, our last season winner was 55 by about 12 points. So that means this is a fucking high movie. And I okay. think last week was really low, if I recall. So this this is in the running in a big way, my friend. Um, I really enjoy doing this with you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. It's um, so much fun. Are you horny for horror, like, all the time? All the time. Where people exactly. can find your... Yeah, wag. Yeah. Just uh, search horny for the number four horror. We we do a different type of format every week, uh-huh. so it's never the same thing. But if you are interested in horror movies, we do do we have episodes where we watch like this, and we kind of do have, you watch in real time and then like go through it, or do you? Clips? No, we we take notes. Uh, we don't we don't play the clips. We just take notes and we try to interject as many like personal anecdotes or stories to it as well. I love that. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there listening to this that are going to get excited for that. So you guys, That's thank great. you so much for listening. Um, Season four, baby, we're doing it. I can't believe that we actually just pushed through and are doing season four because normally, but you guys are giving me life. Like, I feel like this is, y'all are like, you're out here now, nacho experts. That's what they've chosen to be called. All right. Uh, yeah, listeners to this. Um, so thank you so much, you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to season four of Mother May I Sleep with Podcast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.